Blog Talk Radio. Um, you know, 
we just encourage you guys to start making plans for next year. I'm telling you, it's happening in Houston, Texas. Do not miss out next year in Houston, Texas. Um, we're just, like I said, we're excited about the whole thing. And, you know, Dr. Hutchison did a phenomenal job, you know, putting all of that together. So I want everybody, when you get a chance, take some time out to thank her um, for being, you know, visionary and a leader in this community because, you know, she's working towards, you know, bridging the gap, if you will, within the, you know, not only the secular community but the community at large and building bridges with people of faith because regardless of what some people may say, we, you know, we still we live in these neighborhoods. So it's to our advantage to, you know, have some type of relationship with the people that live in the neighborhoods that we do and we're trying to do outreach. And the way that the system is set up now, the majority of these programs are being run by people of faith. And this is what I talk about when I say what has the secular community done um, in regards to reaching out to the community, not necessarily to people of faith, but people in the community. Because we know that um, basically... Christianity has a stronghold in communities of color. We know this. And so, you know, it's counterproductive to continue battering at that ram, um, battering or ramming at that particular wall. While we do not agree with the ideology, we do not believe in their deities, um, you know, we have some differences there. But I believe we have far more in common than we do in differences. So I just think it's important. Um, I see, I think I see Jen there. Jen, press one if you want to talk, and I'll pull you in. But um, today we're going to be talking about a lot of things. Um, we're going to be referencing the conference. Um, we're going to be talking about Columbusing in the atheist community. We're going to be talking about a number of different issues there. And again, the dial-in number is 310-982-4273. Again, 310-982-4273. And if you would like to speak with us, you can press 1. Otherwise, I'm assuming that you're just enjoying the dialogue. So, you know, again, moving social justice conference, you know, I have to bring it back up and Somebody is supposed to storify it so I can um, feed that out to the Black Free Thinkers family because, um, you know, the tweets were going under the people of color and no one had a chance to retweet them under the Black Free Thinkers. So I want to make sure that the people that follow that account will be able to see what was happening live or they could just go to the hashtag, Moving Social Justice. That was the hashtag for the conference. So, it was a lot of, you know, important information that was being shared at that conference. A lot, you, you just you just missed it. I just wish you were there. That's why we were saying even if you didn't have the money for the registration, just show up. You just had to get yourself there. And next year promises to be even better because we already have people saying that they want to be a part of next year's conference. We already have people inquiring about it, and 
it's just absolutely amazing. I'm just really happy about how this all turned out. And we're hoping that those that did attend, that you left, you know, invigorated, that you left motivated, that you left wanting to go out and to do more in your community. We, you know, we're trusting, okay, we're trusting that you were able to go and talk to the members of your group or members, you know, um, of your family or your community or whomever that you were able to go and discuss what you learned at the conference and, you know, maybe put together an agenda, put together a plan to get out into the community because that is what we want. We want people to come offline. We want you to just come offline and start attending some of the local meetings in your area if you can. Um, and we're talking about with secular um, groups. But if you can't, if you're not out, out like that, I mean, you can still go um, and volunteer in the community. There is nothing stopping you from volunteering in the community. There's nothing stopping you from looking around to see, you know, what type of services that, you know, you can offer. I mean, you have food banks. You can go and volunteer. They need help with that. Um, if you have some space, I mean, you can even be, you know, um, a depository. So what I mean by that is, you know, set up a program where the food depository actually, you know, drops food off to you and you hand out the groceries in the neighborhood. There are a number of things that you can do. Um, you can go and help with the tutoring at some of these programs, you know, if you're, you know, whatever you're proficient at, there are a lot of things that you can do to help in a community. We went out on June 27th for National HIV Testing Day, and we're going out again on December 1st for World AIDS Day. That's on a Monday. So check the listings in your area. You can go to the Greater Than AIDS website, and I'm sure that there are different organizations that will be doing things over the weekend because not everybody is going to be available on that Monday. So there should be things happening that weekend as well. So just reach out, get out there, get active, you know, get to know the people in your community because, again, this is where we live. And that's why one of the comments that I made was how I feel as though some of these mainstream organizations they have an interest in minorities. I believe they have a genuine interest in us, but they just have no interest in our, you know, with our issues. You know, they have no interest in things that, many of the things that are important to us. So, again, this is one of the reasons why, you know, we always get questioned as to why we're doing something different. And it's because our experiences are different. You know, all of our experiences are not the same, of course, because we're not a monolith, but for many of us, you know, some of the experiences have been the same. You know, there is a common thread there. So I just think it's important. Again, um, we thank everybody who came to the conference. We thank um, AAH, African Americans for Humanism, SSA, Secular Student Alliance, LA Progressive, CFI Los Angeles. Jim was absolutely marvelous. Um, we thank everybody, you know, and I know I'm forgetting a few people. Let me see here. Morningside um, Park, that's Tika's paper, and Morningside Chronicle. And so I wanted to make sure that we thank Tika and everyone over there. Um, we just appreciate everything that you all have been doing in support of us. 
And, you know, um, here's Jen right here. Jen came all the way from Philly. So Jenny from Philly came all the way to California, and it was just an absolutely marvelous time. That's why I can't wait until we get everything on the DVD and, you know, put some excerpts on YouTube so you guys can see what you missed out on, especially that what race got to do with it. That panel was straight fire. It really was. <laughs> so you so you know we're doing a part two, right, Jen? We are going Good to morning. do a part Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh man, you oh, all man. should. Do I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't wait until. I can't wait until next year. We need like a, uh, a YouTube, a Google Hangout, or you know, some. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think I think we said we were going to do another version of what's race got to do for the February conference. So we're going to do a okay. digital one, and so you know we can okay. get a little bit raw on the on the um, Google chat. So it's like you, you could oh man, for you all that didn't make it, Jen and I were heckling from the back. We started <laughs> heckling. <laughs> Conversation. It was good. It was real good. Yeah, it was very good. It was. It was just great to hear all the um, diversity and um, and thoughts and and uh, background and it was just. It was just a great um, a great panel. I just can't wait till everyone sees it. Yes. Yes, and um, I mean, all the panels were absolutely marvelous, and I was so proud of the young folks with the school-to-prison pipeline. And like I said, those young people, these young people, they are giving me life, not only the ones that are on this panel, but the ones that are on the front line down in Ferguson, the ones that are on the front line down in um, North Carolina for Moral Mondays, you know, the ones that are on the front line in Los Angeles and the ones here in Chicago. Forget my babies here because you know they're out here all over the country. You know, I don't want any cities to think that I'm leaving them out, I'm including you too. And these millennials are stepping up. I have been marvelously surprised. You could knock me over with a feather. I mean, I'm so serious. I mean, and you know, to me, they're the beacons of light in all of this. And I'm looking at Generation X and Generation Y, and I'm like, really. But anyway, you know, but, you know, I'm just sitting back, but, you know, there's a lot that we can do to help with these children, you know, um, start supporting them. And this is why we do quite a bit of what we do. That's why we have this show. That's why I leave the archives up. Um, you know, it's just, it's been amazing. It's been an absolute amazing um, three years. We've been on the air for three and a half years now. And yes, I've been I've been listening for about three. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, I remember. We, I remember how I remember how it started out. I mean, like uh, how when I first started uh, listening. I mean, the show's gotten better and better through the years. Definitely. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate that. You know, we always strive to get better. Strive to get better. Always room for improvement. And it's been three and a half years we've been talking about these programs and getting back to the community and, you know, even having our own conference. And to see all of this coming to fruition, I mean, you all just don't know how happy 
that makes, you know, we're making progress. Slowly but surely, we're making progress. And we want you all to know that. We want you to see it. This is just the beginning. There's much, much more to come. And that's why we encourage you guys to support, you know, Black Skeptics Group, support Dr. Hutchinson. Um, We have the First in a Family Scholarship. This year was the second year we gave out scholarships to young people, encouraging them to, you know, um, you know, seek higher education and continue on. And it's been some beautiful people, you know, part of this program. And next year, you know, more scholarships, you know, next year, another conference, next year, even more. So every year we're trying to add a little something on, a little something more. You know, we need the resources. We need the human resources. We need the financial resources. Black Skeptics Group is a 501c3 organization. Um, they can take PayPal donations, and the PayPal address is blackskeptics at gmail.com. Again, that's blackskeptics at gmail.com. It is tax deductible. That is also the email address. If you want to send emails in for those that want to support people of color beyond faith, we are um, supported by Black Skeptics Group. You can send in a donation that way or you can send a donation in to people of color beyond faith at gmail.com. Again, people of color beyond faith at gmail.com. And that also is tax deductible, tax deductible because we are under Black Skeptics Group. They finance that particular project. So, um, guys, we just wanted you to know that, you know, we appreciate you. We appreciate the support. Um, the conference was absolutely sold out. It was a packed house. And so next year we're looking for, you know, to broaden it and, you know, have a little bit more space. And, you know, we invite you guys to come on out because it was just, man, it's not even enough words. We ran out of um, packets to give out. We actually ran out of the registration packets to give out, so we just started giving out the T-shirts and books and, you know, all of that just to let you guys know how special you are to us because, again, we're doing this for you. We're doing this for you. We're doing this for the community. We're going to make this available, again, because we know there are people out there that are not out, and that's why we do the webcast and this podcast because we know, you know, your options are limited and we want to make sure that you know and understand that we care about you and that you're part of the family. So, you know, moving on from there, you know, Jen, did you have any other words or anything else you wanted to add to that? It was just just a phenomenal time, and I just can't wait until next year. And, you know, I I just appreciate um, being invited to be on, you know, one of the panels and, and, um, it's just been it's just been a great experience. I'm, I mean, I I just think back to how I just met atheists for the first time almost three years ago, and you know, just going on to organizing my own groups and meeting so many people and going going so many places to so many meetups, and uh, it's just been a wonderful experience. And I'm just looking forward to how much um, I'll grow over the coming years. And you know, thank you very much. I appreciate your support and the support of Dr. Hutchinson and 
you know, all the all of our uh, black skeptics and people of color beyond faith. Um, thanks again. Excellent, excellent. I think we have Judy on this. This is Judy. Hey, Judy. Hey, Judy. How you doing? I haven't heard from you in a while on the show. How you feeling? No, nah, this this is not Judy. Oh, my oh. apologies. <laughs> May I ask who's calling? Uh, just someone who was kind of dropping by, listening in. Okay, okay. Well, how are yeah, you today? Was, oh, I'm well, I'm well. I was just kind of, you know, curious as to what, you know, I was hearing. Um. Uh, did am I, I? I don't know. Are you all black Satanists? You said. What oh else? Jesus! No, we're not black Satanists. We don't believe in Satan, nor do we believe in any deities, any gods, or anything. We're atheists, free thinkers, secularists, skeptics, bright non-believers, humanists, etc. and etc. You know, um, oh. people fall under different banners. But no, we're not black Satanists, so we don't believe in Satan either. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Oh, that now that's interesting. So there's actually a um, atheist um, like community. Y'all have like a yes atheist community. Have, that is correct. There is an atheist community, um, extremely diverse. Uh, you have. Latinos, you have Asians, you have, you know, black people, you have white people, we have, you know, mixtures, you know, we have, yeah, it's it's a large community, actually. It's a minority within a minority, you know, the black atheist community, but, yeah, we have communities. That is correct. And as a matter of fact, uh, the American Atheist Conference is going to be somewhere in Tennessee. Is it going to be in Memphis or Nashville next year? I think it's Memphis. Um, Interesting, interesting. So, do is there like a um, a teaching? I mean, for your particular what you you all are doing, like no, so there's no I, particular teaching. We don't we don't atheist doesn't atheists don't have a central belief system. The the only thing that atheism describes is non-belief in deities. Our particular, what? our particular group. Sorry. No, go ahead. Kim, I was no, go ahead, our Brenna. particular group, the Black Free Thinkers, and you know POC, BS, or, or people of color beyond faith, Black Skeptics Group, and and some other organizations out there have a belief in you know helping others and you know being good to each other, being involved in community just and, and, and social justice and community service. So. That's not a universal thing, but that's something that we here happen to believe in, and so we we tend to talk about those kinds of issues. But there's no oh, central okay. belief system for atheists. But if you want okay. to learn more about who we are, you can always go through the Black Freethinkers archives. We've touched on a lot of different subjects. If you look up People of Color Beyond Faith, you'll find our YouTube channel, and we've done, you know, a number of webcasts and many more to come. If you look up Black Skeptics Group, you'll find, you know, a few websites in which mm-hmm. you can enjoy 
different articles. But yet, you know, Raina's correct. There is no central belief system, you know. However, with many of our groups, the ones that she named specifically, we do believe in community outreach. We do believe um, in working with communities of faith in order to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, in order to see progress in communities of color, especially economically and educationally disadvantaged communities, because this is where, you know, many of us come from. So, of course, we want to reach back and help, and some of us still remain in these communities. So it is to our advantage to foster, develop, and cultivate these relationships. So uh, is you say beyond faith, is that what is your outlook on faith, do y'all believe it's a bad thing or something that hasn't served the community faith? If you go back and you look through the archives, excuse me, I did a three-part series on the God concept. And basically, you know, we look at this, well, I look at this from a couple of different perspectives. When you start talking about faith, especially in black Christianity, I believe that hope and faith and belief has basically, you know, um, enabled our community to continue on. Um, If you go back to the series, I talk about the difference between white Christianity and black Christianity. As a matter of fact, there was a book by a gentleman by the name of Michael Lackey, And I based that three-part series off of that, whereas with white Christianity, it was about fear and oppression. And with black Christianity, it was about hope and change and faith that things would get better. So you already have that difference there. But, no, we are not faith-based whatsoever. However, we're not necessarily trying to... um, discourage people from having faith um, because for some people that is the only thing that they have. That is the only thing that's shielding them from, you know, um, a lot of what's happening in, you know, the world. Um, I've talked about black Christianity being pretty much the last vestige shielding the black community to a degree from white supremacy. And so, I mean, it gets kind of complicated, but when it comes Mm -hmm. down to faith, it's not something that we adhere to, but we're also not trying to discourage people from having faith because, again, with some people, that is all that they have to hold on to. So what governs a a, a black atheist or free thinker's life? Can we can we wrap this up, Kim, because this is, this is getting a little bit long, and we have a lot of... We have a lot of topics to cover. I'm sorry, sir. I'm not yeah. trying to be rude, but we have we have a show that we're trying to, to do here, and we don't need it derailed. But we have several shows in the archives yeah. to address this. Uh-huh. Several. Peace. Okay. All have right. a good day. Bye. So, I'm yeah, sorry, Kim. I just... No, I know. I know. Um, he was just, you know, asking some questions, and that's why I was redirecting him to the archives. But no, um, I agree. I honestly, though, I'm a little skeptical, but I'm gonna let him have it right now because he didn't get rude. <laughs> but I felt like it was gonna go in a rude direction in a moment or two. And we have archives to answer all those questions, and we have a lot of show to get to today. So. 
Sorry. There you go. <laughs> so here we go. So, yeah. So the topic today is Columbusing in the atheist community. So, Raina, let me see here. Where do we want to start? Do we want to start with can we now define anti-atheism as racism, or where do you want to start today? I, it doesn't make a bit of difference to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, we'll start with anti-atheism as racism. When did atheists become a race? I don't even think, I don't think it's so much that he's calling it a race. I think he's basically trying to say that anti-racism is somehow akin to racism that, that, you know, people of color have faced. And I don't even, I, I can't agree with either. You know what I mean? Situation. Because as a person of color who has, you know, understands, you know, quite a lot of our history, I can't get mm-hmm. with that. But I think it's insulting. I think it is, um, and I think it's insulting because I feel like a lot of, like uh, like most white people in this sort of post-racial context that we live in, they're of the mindset that because they can see and, and point out a few exceptional Negroes, that therefore there's no such thing as racism, so we, so we don't have to do anything else, you know? And, um, right. And and that's and that's something that I see on the atheist on uh, in the atheist community quite a lot, you know this notion that, um, you know we have a black president and 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 we have a, and we have you know all of these other things we have Neil deGrasse Tyson and you know they you know, <laughs> you know Ayon Hirsi Ali, and you know I, I you know we're all Africans, <laughs> you know all right so <laughs> as a, you know so they can say all of these things. And they, and, you know, some of them even believe that just by virtue of them being an atheist, that they're no longer, you know, they no longer hold any discriminatory beliefs. I think, I think it's just one more way of ignoring, you know what I mean, the issue mm-hmm. that minorities face. You know what I mean? Because you know, the interesting thing is, is that. They want to define anti-atheism as racism, but yet they don't want to confront or squash the racism in this community, let alone the sexism, the homophobia, the transphobia. We won't even get to that yet, but they haven't even dealt with the racism in this community. And, you know, I've had people say really to me when I've made the next statement, but I've been called the N-word more since I've been in the atheist community than I ever had before I became a part of this community. And there are people in this community upset because they cannot use the N-word. If you go back and you listen to certain podcasts, that is a question that comes up regularly. Why can't they use the N-word? Why would you want to use the N-word? Right. Yep, it's actually in my Black Atheist FAQ on my blog. So... You yeah. can go check that out. But um Exactly. But yeah, no, I no. just good. No, I was just gonna say the caller that just called in, um, you can go and check out the Roads to Reality blog as well. That should answer some of your questions too. Go ahead. Mhm. Um, now I lost my thought. <laughs> you know, we were talking about how they have it, you know, confronted the racism in this 
particular community. And I know one time we we talked about it and we were talking about how we believe that for some of them it's fear. They fear if they, Mm -hmm. you know, try to squash that, that the donations will stop going in and people will stop being, you know, participating. And, you know, I just find it interesting because, again, there are many different groups out here that are using the atheist community in the atheist banner as a shield. And we see it, and we call it out, and yet nothing is done. You know, so you have a bunch of races, some sexes, you know. Um, you know, the atheist community has pretty much been taken over by the libertarians and the tea partiers to a certain degree. Um, and, you know, it's like the people that, the powers that be, are afraid to confront it because this is where the money is coming from. We've talked about how the atheist community is being used as a shield by the black nationalists who have a problem with Christianity in and of itself. And it's not necessarily that they have an allegiance, if you will, with the atheist community. It's just that they have a common enemy, which are Christians. It's just really interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of foolishness going on over here, <laughs> you know. <Right. laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to it's hard to um, to describe just how you know. It, well, it's not hard to describe. I mean, basically, what's happening is is is, and I talked about this on Thursday. This is how I see it. I see the atheist community as being populated by a lot of white people who like the rest of the country are uh, who are you know they're bothered by um some of the gains of the civil rights movement you know they're bothered by what they see as um you know you know some of the or what they may see as sort of a, a threat to their privilege you know mm-hmm. they're not willing to give up those those privileges and so when they become an atheist it's like that that atheism because of how people feel about religion and how they feel about God and and what they think that means about a person's character is like that takes a little bit more of their privilege away. And so right. for people in the atheist community who who act this way, I feel like all of this stuff about atheist rights and you know mm-hmm. um atheist pride and all of that type of stuff is really just about trying to um, make atheism respectable in a certain sense so they can retrieve that little part of their, you know, their privilege back, you know? It's like they're not not used to being questioned as white people about, you know, about certain aspects of their character or their personality or whatever being discriminated against. And, and yes, there is some discrimination that happens on the basis of you being an atheist, but it is nothing on par with the discrimination that one faces as someone who's disabled or someone who is LGBT or someone who's a woman or someone who's, you know, black or, or right. Hispanic or Native overweight. American or Asian or overweight. You know what I mean? Like any of these types of things. Exactly. And like we were saying at the conference, and you guys missed it, uh, we were talking about them getting their regular white guy status back. So, you know, know, this this oppression stuff sucks. You know, they don't Mm -hmm. like it. Oh, I'm 
Israel. So we're being oppressed. Wait a minute, I don't like this. And no, we got to make this, you know, normal. We got to make, you know, society accept this so I can get my regular white guy privileged status back. And it is about keeping white males in the center. It is about keeping whiteness centered. And this is the reason why we get some pushback when we do have groups that are specific um, towards, you know, a particular ethnicity or race or, or, you know, what have you. And it's just, the whole thing is just, it's disheartening, if you will. And, you know, we're fighting amongst each other in this community. And like I said, we get a lot of pushback because we refuse to assimilate, if you will. And it's not that we refuse to assimilate. It's just that we, you know, many of us, have this desire to be around people who have some common interests that have some common. No, we also you know, refuse to assimilate. <laughs> <laughs> we also we also refuse to accommodate. <laughs> you know, what I mean? we're so. not trying to we're not trying to be one big atheist org. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> we're not trying to be a part of the board. We're we're not right. trying to be Richard Dawkins quoting. Board member, it's not going to happen. And you have too much of that happening in this community as it is. And, again, it's about keeping that white male in the center. It's about keeping whiteness, but particularly white males, in the center of everything. And once that is threatened, then it becomes an issue. So what I've seen, and, you know, we're sitting back and we're noticing this, but they're Columbusing things. You know, you're going to see some of these organizations, some of these people now attempting to Columbus social justice, just like they're trying to Columbus racism. And, you know, you see these signs out here or hear people talking, especially one of our favorites, Mr. Dusty, talking about atheists are the new niggers. And, you know, I've seen some signs that women are the new niggers. And, you know, and all of this... You know, they're hell-bent on using that N-word in any capacity right. that they can. And so, you know, they're even Columbusing the N-word. You know, it's, just, it's, it's interesting. But yet they will not confront the issues, um, you know. And in this community, you'll hear a lot of that color blindness and post-racial malarkey. And they do point to, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson and President Obama and during my panel, I brought up how the white gay agenda, um, the white gay um, community, basically were saying or scapegoating the blacks in California, saying that blacks were ungrateful because America had elected, you know, its first black president, and so they don't under they didn't understand why the blacks in California um, didn't side with them on Prop 8 and. Again, you know, I won't go into all the statistics, but even if all the black people in California sided with the LGBTQ community, it's still... It wouldn't have helped wouldn't to hurt them, have, yeah. That wouldn't have helped a right. thing. So it's mm-hmm. just, you know, again, scapegoating, but because they're too afraid to confront the Mormon church. That's who the enemy is as far as the Prop right. decision was concerned, but... No, they'd rather, you know, um, you know, scapegoat an already disenfranchised community. And, you know, we're seeing these things. And, you know, and again, when we're talking about people in the atheist community Columbusing, I mean, I'm even talking about, you know, certain black atheists that 
wanted nothing to do with social justice, nothing to do with, you know, talking about white privilege and white supremacy, they're starting to Columbus, you know, that message too. That's a different story. Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna touch that. But in any case, um I was gonna say I was gonna say, well, some people are pro- are are starting to wake up, so we've gotta acknowledge that. You know what I mean? Right. And there are some right. and there are some white allies that um they're not you know, they're not engaged in Columbusing. So so for those of you that wanna know what Columbusing is, it's really appropriation, right? So like when when uh say PETA, for example, does an advertisement about um about lab animals or about, you know, not eating meat and they somehow compare it to slavery, right, um, or the Holocaust, that is appropriation. That is using the, that is using the experiences of, the, of people, of a certain group of people, to try to sell an idea or try to do something else, right, try to make another point. But at the same time, PETA doesn't really care about people, and, and this is really, and this has come out in several, several times. You know, there was a letter that came from PETA to, um, I believe, was it, was it the leader of, of Palestine or was it someone in Pakistan? Yeah. It, was some, it, was, it was something. It was a letter that they wrote about anti-terrorism. <laughs> but the letter wasn't about, please don't kill people, please don't engage in terrorism. <laughs> the letter was, please don't use animals, goats, camels, whatever. In, in your in your bombings, you know what I mean. Wow. So that's yeah. a very different kind of that's a very different kind of message than just you know maybe not a good idea to kill people. And so when we see things in the community like um, people talking about atheist rights and atheist discrimination, you know what I mean. And especially if they start to bring up you know aspects of social justice and 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 the civil rights history, the ongoing civil rights struggle that we're facing. I think it's a little, it's a little disingenuous to bring that up in contact in, in, in conjunction with the whole atheist rights movement when the when atheists have have never really addressed the ongoing civil rights violations that are going on. Exactly. You know what I mean? They have nothing to say about the treatment of immigrants in this country. They have nothing to say about about police brutality or state violence. They have nothing to say about the school-to-prison pipeline, even though the school-to-prison pipeline is actually connected to one of their favorite issues, which is the, the, the education of children, particularly as relates to science. You know exactly. what I mean? So they exactly. have nothing to say about these things, but yet they want to, you know, co-opt the language of the civil rights movement. And so that's and what we're talking about when we're talking about Columbusing. Exactly. And the interesting thing is is that in in many cases, not all cases, because I mean we have some wonderful allies out there. You have Rebecca Watson, you have Greta Christina, you have Richard Carrier, and we can you know, Valerie Terrico, we can name a number of people. I have the Amy, Amy Rock, Surly Amy, um, you know, Data Boy, you know, we have a lot of people that are out here that are wonderful allies and that understand. You know, um, but, you know, what we're talking about um, basically is, you know, the ones that are out here that will just say sometimes people of color 
um, that happen to be in affiliation with that particular group have to push them to make statements on certain things. And, you know, the mm-hmm. question is, you know, if it's about human rights, if it's about civil rights, then why are you too afraid to make a, a basic statement about, you know, situations in which people have been harmed? I don't understand it. Right. Well, I, I mean, a very good example of that was with um, the Trayvon Martin uh, case. Right. Mhm. Exactly. And, you know, um, American Humanist Association did make a statement um, about racism, and, you know, that was at the urging of Dr. Penn, Dr., you know, Anthony Penn. And, but otherwise, we would have had crickets and tumbleweeds with that as well. And, you know, there were a few organizations that made statements regarding the Ferguson um, situation. So, you know, we see some improvement as far as, you know, at least they're willing to make a statement. But if you go and you read those statements that they made, look at the comments. The comment section is always the most interesting to me. And, you know, they received pushback from a lot of people in the community asking why are they even addressing this? You know, why are they even acknowledging this? Or why aren't they on the side of the police officer? And, you know, some of the comments were saying that, you know, the, the statement was more biased towards the protesters. And, you know, like I said, those comments, the comment sections, it speaks volumes. And, and the thing about it is, and the thing about it is, is that <laughs> this is how you know that when people are in this community are talking about social justice, that they're not really about what they say they're about. Because of the power of the state, people who are social, who are real social justice advocates, they are, they tend to they tend not to side with power. That's not to say right. that there are situations in which you know. A, a victim could could have been in the wrong. You know what I mean? Now, we're not all perfect victims, though. You know what I mean? We're human beings. We're flawed. You know what I mean? So one does not have to be a perfect victim to be a victim. You know what exactly. I mean? But, but in, terms of, in terms of social justice, we understand the relationship of, of power and privilege and all of these things and how they play out. So we don't, we don't side automatically with police officers. We we don't do that, and, and most of the time we end up not fighting with police officers in the state. But that's because we understand what power is and what, how power corrupts, and 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 how people can become victims of of that power. So just had to say that exactly, exactly. Yeah, and you're absolutely correct. And again, you know, there are a few things you know we were talking about um, a new anti lynching movement. You know, Paula Giddings wrote an article on that um, about a month, a month and a half ago, and I posted it. And it was talking about how we need a new anti-lynching movement because, you know, basically it was comparing what was happening with the lynching of blacks with, you know, the police state powers now with them, you know, with them killing, you know, black and brown people in the street just, you know, at will knowing that, you know, the majority of them will not be prosecuted. They'll be put on a paid vacation, and they'll be able to get their jobs back, if you will. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just, 
it's, it's absolutely horrible how the system is set up. And they knew they do need boards governing and oversight committees, you know, to keep an eye on these things. There are a lot of laws and policies and, you know, written and unwritten that need to be looked at and changed in this country. But, again, you know, um, you have people out here, you know, namely some of these people that, you know, have public figures that are calling that you never would have thought would go on record and start calling black people, you know, animals and shoot them dead in a street like the dogs they are. I mean, just a lot of the statements that we've heard, and I mean, not only just from some of these public figures, but just from different people, you know, even in this community. And again, you know, this community is supposedly built on meritocracy and enlightenment and, you know, you know, the evolution of the mind and this superior intellect. And yet they don't even understand the basic rudiments of racism, of oppression, of, you know, what, or, or I won't even say they don't even understand it. I just think that the majority of the people in this community do not care because it does not affect them personally. And what does mm-hmm. affect them personally is when they're being discriminated against because they're um, a non-believer or if they're a member of the LGBTQ community, and then they want to push for that, but yet they're still not pushing for, you know, um, leveling the playing fields or equality for people of color. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out where the disconnect is because there's a gap there. And, again, that's why I'm starting to believe that they just don't care. You know, make me want to sing that Michael Jackson song. They don't really care about us. <laughs> you love you love making Michael Jackson references, don't you? Um, I love Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, um, absolutely. I mean, they're just they're just some people in this community that um, you know they they're so used to having that power and having that privilege that when they go to get their little paper stamps at the bank and somebody doesn't want to do, uh, you know, stamp their papers because they're an atheist and then even offers to get someone else to stamp it for them that they are now ready to talk about atheist rights. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and um, exactly. it's just it's just a mess. It's a mess. I can't, really, I can't even take it seriously. Exactly, exactly. It is hard to take seriously. And, again, people don't know that you're an atheist unless you tell them. Um, People don't know you're LGBTQ, you know, unless you tell them. You know, people can make assumptions, but they really don't know. Well, yeah, but people make you know, and, but those assumptions matter because people people really yeah. do make those assumptions. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But the thing is, is that you know I can't walk out of my house and tell them, well, I'm not black today. What? I'm white. I mean, well, you could, <laughs> but it wouldn't make a bit of difference. Right. <laughs> 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 you know, I mean, you can tell I'm, part, way, I'm, part, um, I'm part Indian, even though I don't have a card and I don't get a check every month. <laughs> hey, there's a lot of people that feel like, hey, but you know what? You say that, Jen, but there's a lot of people who have been who've been discriminated against in terms of getting their their um 
you know, their their heritage recognized. So you you joke about right. that, but that's actually true. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just so. talking about how I'm just talking about how um, non-blacks or people of color, yeah, I'm part Indian, and you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they're not, you know. And yeah, yeah, I mean, that happens. But, you know, certainly there have been people out there who who are and, and will not have their their full heritage recognized because there's some discrimination in that system. But, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that was, that was, that was the, uh, you know, first Holocaust here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's true. Exactly. Exactly. So it's just it's it's been interesting um, being a part of this community and watching the pushback and you know even with the conference you know uh, there was an article written basically stating that the atheist community does not owe your social justice movement a damn thing and. Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, if you listen to last Thursday's show, um, we had a young man by the name of Bakari who wrote a rebuttal to that. And it was, you know, a very strong rebuttal. And, you know, it does make us pause. You know, I mean, even though we had been watching and looking and questioning beforehand, but after that article, it, it makes me pause even more because, you know, Bakari is right. Who are we aligning ourselves with? Right. And it should question everything. And it makes me question even more, you know, with some of these, you know, larger organizations that are too afraid to put their foot down because they're afraid that the donations, you know, will stop pouring in. Um, Mm -hmm. In addition to that, you know, certain organizations that are actively recruiting people from, you know, Actively recruiting people who are openly homophobic, openly racist, openly sexist. You know, again, you're never going to be able to explain to me, you know, why that is acceptable. You know, again, if this community is against racism, if this community is against sexism, homophobia, transphobia, so on and so forth, why are you why are you actively seeking to recruit people who are unabashedly those things? Right. Or am I seeing you know the answer wrong, to that right? you know what, you know the answer to that question. You know the answer money. to that question. Money. Mm-hmm. It's all yep. about the money. And and mm-hmm. that goes to support something that I've been saying over the past three years that you know, they want minority numbers. Of course they want minorities to join their organization so they can say, ha-ha, I now have 50 blacks that are part of A, B, and C organization. But most importantly, they want you to pay those membership fees. It's about the numbers. It's about the money and the numbers. And it's the same type of competition that you see even in the religious community. You will have these pastors sitting down comparing, you know, their numbers. Oh, this megachurch has 5000 This one over here has 30000 And this is how much we get a month in tithes. And, I mean, you know, it's, it's the same shit. And they donate to religious conventions as well, you know, um, mm-hmm. to it, further um, keep the sexism, racism, and 
all those disgusting other isms, Dolly. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's really interesting. So we just want you all to keep your eyes and your ears open. Pay attention. Because, you know, we've had people, you know, namely, you know, Red Ninja when he called in. Hi, Red. Hi, Omar. Hi, Brandon. Hi, everybody. Um, basically, you know, he was saying that, you know, some of the things that we discussed on the show, at first he was, you know, taken aback, as he said. And then he went back and he looked at it and he saw that we were right at some of the, you know, veiled isms and phobias in this community is veiled and you really do have to pay attention. And this is right. one of the reasons why we look at some of the, you know, minorities in this community, some of the people of color, even within the atheist community. And when we start talking about how some people um, still participate, you know, in, in some cases unknowingly, in other cases knowingly, and, you know, in perpetuating white supremacy. And mm-hmm. when you hear us talking about certain people being white supremacists and black face, there is legitimacy behind what we're saying, and we can offer proof, and we've done that. We've offered evidence. But, you know, again, you have, they put enough uh, feel-good messages in what they're saying so that people will overlook some of the BS that's being put out there. So, again, you know, you have to be very careful with, um, you know, with, with some of what you're hearing and seeing. I would just say you go back and you do the research for yourself and come to an understanding on your own, which is why we encourage people to research and go out on their own to see what's really happening. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, just sit back and look and learning some things. Um, We talked a little bit last week about this trans-ethnicity thing. And, you know, to get into a few more examples of that, you know, what's happening with Miley Cyrus and the twerking and the Vogue article talking about women with big butts and, you know, the corn rolls or French braids or what have you, um, being involved and coming back in style because it is now being embraced by white women. And And do-rags, apparently. (laughs) Which I was like, what? Because apparently there was, like, some some designer that had – you know, paired one of his outfits with, like, a leather do-rag. And wow. it was, like, yeah, and it was, like, it was, like, it was, like, such high fashion. And then there was, like, another example where, um, you know, the hairs around your, around your edge, right, uh, the edge of your hairline, right, we call them baby hairs <laughs> in communities of color, right? right? And, um, yeah. and, you know, and, and in many communities of color, we tend to slick those down, you know. And uh, but usually that's termed as as being ghetto, you know. But um, there's you know there's been a, a couple I think a couple of different designers that have done that with their white models, and it's been termed high fashion. So it seems like anytime um, white people are able to 
you know, co-opt something, right, it it becomes fashionable, you know? Right. You know, so after co-opting, columbusing, all of that, and even with some of the trans-ethnicity, you have some people who are white now declaring that they're Latino or declaring that they're black and declaring that they're Asian or what have you because they identify more with that particular cultural or ethnic group. Uh, But yet they still enjoy their white privilege, if you will. How does that work? You know, they want to be black, but you don't want to struggle. And, I mean, and it's just, it's interesting. And so, you know, tying that into what we said earlier, you know, you have these dude bros out here saying that this oppression sucks and they don't like being discriminated against because they're atheists or because they're LGBTQ or or what have you, but yet they still can't seem to find any empathy for people of color. I don't understand it, and I probably never will. And the interesting thing is, is when we speak out about it and we, you know, protest, then we're the ones in the wrong. Because you can have some people out here that talk about the rule of law and the way they reference and talk about the rule of law, you know, to me they do it with the same zeal that some religious people do when they're quoting the Ten Commandments in the Bible. And they try to speak Mm -hmm. with the same authority. It's just interesting. But don't you, I mean, but, I mean, one of the things that, one of the things that I'm noticing is that, you know, just because you um, decided to claim to be an atheist, skeptic, agnostic, doesn't mean that those, uh, that racism is just erased. They just, right. you know, it just carries over, it's just carried over into this community. Right. Right. But interesting thing about that, And sometimes with a lot sometimes with a lot more venom because they feel like now right. they're superior on every level. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, right. and you, what's interesting about that, Jen, is, and you're right, they feel like they're superior on every level, and especially when they're putting down, you know, people of belief or, or, or believers or what have you, and they know that, in the black and brown communities that, you know, the heavy percentages are people of faith. And so, you know, that's why, you know, with some of them is veiled, you know, racism. Others, they're just overt with it and they don't care. And unfortunately, you have some people of color in this community agreeing with them. And then in respect to your comment, your other comment, yes, you have some people that try to convince people of color, and you all have seen these arguments and these threads, and especially in certain groups on Facebook. And I've seen white people try to argue me down and say that when they became atheists, that they no longer were racist or sexist or homophobic, transphobic, what have you, because, you know, those bad characteristics are religious in nature. And if we got rid of religion, all of those things would go away, and that is not the truth. They say that once they became atheists, that, you know, suddenly they were no longer those things, as though, you know, atheism, you know, legitimized, you know, their, you know, uh, 
their rebirth, if you will, rebirth as. And there's a lot of religious overtone in a lot of this, and it's absolutely amazing because these are issues that need to be touched on by the mainstream atheists. Um, you know, you, quite a few of us, you know, in the minorities, you know, uh, atheist community or the black or Latino or, um, you know, community here, we've touched on it and we've talked about it. But, again, you know, as we've stated in the past, in order to effectively um, start battering at racism, period, not only in the atheist community but in America, period, we're going to have to have more whites stepping up to speak out about it, stepping calling other white people out on their racism. That is the only way we're really going to be able to make any real headway because when we call it out and we show them what they're doing is offensive, you know, then we're called whiners and complainers. Mm -hmm. And then they try to paint us as weak because, you know, well, why can't you take it like a man or take it like a woman? And that's not what I mean. And then it turns into the oppression Olympics. And many of us are just simply tired of having that type of circular argument because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. So yep. we move on. But anti- I mean, I know, I, I, I noticed something. I noticed something a couple weeks ago. I was about to... Um, Post the um, People of Color Beyond Faith uh, um, Moving Social Justice Conference on the Dusty page and realized that um, a lot of the members got sick of got sick of Dusty and um, hijacked his page and booted him out of his own group. Yeah, I saw that. I, I heard about that. That was funny. That was funny. Yeah. <laughs> But I think I think they mainly got tired of him because of how he treats other people and his own superiority complex, not so right. much what he has to say about minority issues or about Christians or women or whatever. But yes, Dusty, it's a start. Dusty has it's a, a start. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? It's a start. <laughs> yeah, it's a, right. it's a start. It's a start, but at the same time, <laughs> you would you kind of would hope that it would be because they were like, you know what? You, what you have to say about minorities and women and, you know, and religious people, that's not true. But they but they, made, they mostly got rid of him because he just, he was calling them idiots and all kinds of stuff. And, you know. Right. His, fan, his, fan, his fans are like, we made you. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah, but I always like to, but, it, but I, I like to be able to post some of our um, our, our things in, in that group. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, yeah. Right. Know, good now, it's, no, it's no point now, but, <laughs> but yeah. But, that, but, right. but um, for a while there, I, I had a good run of a of a couple years posting posting um, people of colors events and and things into um, the dusty group. So right, and you know, one thing that we experienced, which was you know a little shocking or surprising to me, not shocking because nothing, you know, shocks me anymore. And that is basically um, I had posted about the conference over in um, a particular feminist group, and this one white woman was saying that, um, that she felt that it was exclusionary 
because it didn't, you know, have a special invite for whites. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Shout, out, so, shout out to that idiot in the, in the uh, No Guys, No Masters atheist feminist group, because you're an idiot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I posted the link for last Thursday's show in that room, and, you know, I made a comment about how some whites showed up to the conference and they didn't require a special invitation because they sure as hell don't give us any special invitations, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. But then I said, you know, please enjoy the slideshow if you require evidence that white people were present. And she came back and she said, she was like, okay, inclusiveness, um, I got nothing here. And she Mm-mm-mm. just, you know, quiet about the whole thing. And I was just sitting there. I mean, we get that type of pushback, you know, all the here time. and there. Yeah, we do. And if we were to show you all some of the emails that we get or some of the comments that we get on some of these blogs, you know, calling us the N-word, it's just it's, it's amazing. Because, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that people have, you know, social media courage. But when you meet them in real life, you know, it's, it's a different story. I experienced that over that weekend. Someone who uh, is very vocal online, but yet was as docile as a baby hamster in person when confronted about something that they said. So it's, it's just it's interesting, you know, how all of that works out. But um, yeah, yeah, is is uh, that's one of the reasons why you know part of me feels as though it probably should force people to use their real names. But again, there are some people who can't come out for a number of reasons, and because you know it can be harmful. So I wouldn't want to put any of those people in danger. So you know it's kind of a catch twenty two, but. For some of these people, they need to be held accountable for some of the things that they say. It's absolutely ridiculous what they say and get away with online. And then when you see them in person, if you just happen to know who it is, how, you know, they want to talk about everything but their behavior, you know, and and be accountable for the things that they've said and done. So anyway, yeah. the telephone. You're asking a lot. Bro. You want people to be accountable, Tim? You're asking a lot. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, but I mean, I thought over in an atheist community, isn't about, isn't it about accountability and responsibility? No, because it's it's not about accountability and responsibility. It's about it's about attacking Christians and telling them how stupid they are, and you know, creationism is done. You know. Whacking oh, them yeah, for not see, being they, progressive enough. You know. see, but I've seen some atheists attack Christians and tell them that they didn't want to be accountable or responsible for their own lives, so they have, you know, that religion to project it on. I mean, so I've seen that responsibility and accountability trope, if you will, come out of the mouth. It only goes atheists. in one direction, Kim. I mean, come exactly. on. Exactly. That is the point exactly and that's you're why we asking point people that out. to you're asking people to be accountable. That's that's asking a lot. You know better. Come on now. 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's why we point that out on this show. It's why, you know, it's one-sided. It is absolutely mm-hmm. one-sided. And, you know, going back, because I just can't let this go. I know I should. No, no, I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, about the people who are saying that the atheist community doesn't owe the social justice community a damn thing, then you need to stop using the language. You need to stop using the language of social justice activists or, or you, need, you need to stop using the language or co-opting the language from the civil rights movement. You know, you need to just stop using any, um, you know, using any type of social justice um, work that's needed and throwing it like a damn grenade at the religious community. Because one of the questions that I see often is, what is the church doing for the black community? And the, the same question is valid for the atheist community. What is the atheist community doing for, you know, communities of color or communities in need? Because you have poor white communities that need help also. So, right. you know, you know, many of the atheists over here are doing nothing. This is why I call many that's of them why, lazy. That's, that's why I, it's not even, it's not even laziness. Right, but what I was going to say is not even the late. It's not even laziness. You know what I mean? It, what it really is is that it, it, it's again. This is about white privilege. You know what I mean? And so right. again, they're not interested in any of of this stuff as relates to other people. You know what I mean? It's really about preserving their white privilege. So they're not interested in you know expanding the um, school lunch programs that might actually have an impact on, you know, rural communities or poor white communities in, as well as poor, you know, communities of color. They're not interested in that. They're interested in fundamentally protecting their white privilege. And so that's why they can attack, you know, black churches and things like that, because a lot of these same people are against programs like affirmative action. They're against, you know, having, um, you know, you know, uh, welfare and, you know, social safety nets and things like that. So it allows them also, while they're sitting up there on this high horse about their their atheism, to sit down and say, okay, well, the church is withholding you back because if you just stop believing in God, then you could bootstrap your way to success, and then we can get rid of all this other stuff too. You know what I mean? Right, and it's unfortunate. Jen Jen was going to say something. Go ahead, Jen, and then I'll talk. I was just about to say that these same people are saying, doing all this um, in the comfort of their home um, behind their computer screen. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, at the same time, they're still going down to the church, taking advantage of help with their electricity bill, still getting food, Mm -hmm. still getting assistance. Mm -hmm still getting public assistance, still getting free right. school lunch. So, I mean, these same people that are complaining are not are not even in a better position and don't right. and don't use this, and and they use these services that they're speaking out against. Social mm-hmm. justice is for us is for us all. It's not just for yeah. not just for people of color, it's for people um for for everyone and they're just not realizing it and I think it's just I think it's just trifling and disgusting how people are just Anti-human, anti-humanist, you know. I, right. Just, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing to remember is that when you're an atheist and a lot of atheist organizations on this side actually try to build themselves as humanist organizations, but they're not humanist organizations. If no, you're an organization, and I said no. this, 
and I said this at the conference. I said, if your humanist, if your humanist organization, in quotes, is not doing anti-racist work, then it's not a humanist organization. But also, if it's not doing, you know, just like it's not doing anti-racism work, if it's not doing anti, anti-sexist work, if it's not doing right. anti, you know, anti-LGBT discrimination work, right. you know what I mean? Right. If it's not doing any of these, if it's not doing any of these types of things. And, I, and, and, and when I say work, I don't mean, like, it always, you know, starting out with picket signs. I mean, start with your own organization. Exactly. You know what I mean? If you don't have a, if you don't have a policy whereby you, you're looking for facilities that are, you know, that are ADA certified, you know what I mean? If you're, right. not, if you're not hiring interpreters, if you're not, you know, trying to provide, you know, daycare, you know, for your conferences, if you're not... If you don't have anti, you know, an anti-sex discrimination policy or anti, you know, um, sexual assault policy for your organization, then you're starting off wrong. Exactly. exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. So go ahead. Well, I'm just going to say, you know, you're absolutely correct. You know, um, we have to start, you know, within even this community. And like I said, I believe that it's fear. Um, on the parts of some of these large organizations because they feel that donations will dry up, and they know exactly, you know, who their members are. You know, they know exactly who these people are and, you know, how they feel. We have two callers. I am going to take them one at a time. Let's let's pull in (laughs) 661. 661, may we ask who's calling? I don't know if I'm on 661's line, but this is Red Ninja. Hey, Red, how you doing? Hey, Red Ninja. Hey, all right. This is a safe call here. So, yeah, (laughs) let's see who this Ah. other person is. I'll I'll let you talk, Red. Hold on. Let me pull this other call in. Um, Let's pull in 763. May we ask who's calling? Yeah. Good afternoon. Good morning, ladies. Uh, This is Carl A. Perry as Facebook has um, put me out, turned me out, you know how it okay. goes. But my name, my name is, is or and always will be gender equality. But I can't. Yay. Hey, how you doing? Congratulations. <laughs> no, I'm calling because I'm ecstatic. I'm really ecstatic. <laughs> you guys have put together a whirlwind. I mean, turning pages and opening books and cracking craniums, my hat is off to all these guys. I want to just hug everybody, but I can't. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Fred, <laughs> drop you. the line, Red. Call, call back or Skype back in or whatever, because we want to hear from you, Red, so don't think you're going to disappear. But, um, yeah, right. no, we've been working hard, GE. We've been working really hard. Um. You know, because, I mean, you know, I do the podcast and the webcast, you know, um, and that's, you know, Raina and I, you know, that's, you know, mainly, you know, our contribution, trying to keep people's interests up, you know, trying to further the dialogue, trying to continue with it. And Jen got on board, so Jen is part of the crew now, and, you know, reaching out here and keeping the conversation going. And, you know, Dr. Hutchinson and Tony, Dr. Penn and Donald Wright and, you know, a number of other people, Frank, you know, they're out here, they're writing their books, you know, and they're, yeah. they're speaking 
out. And, I mean, we're all speaking out. It's just in different yeah. venues. You know, um, yeah. Me personally, exactly. you know, I've, everybody knows where I stand. I have no interest in really talking to any of these mainstream organizations because I have no interest in preaching to the choir. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I accept a speaking engagement at a church before I will an atheist organization. And that's just being mm-hmm. honest. Uh, I was, yeah, I, I didn't catch the whole part or most of the beginning part of the show, but the part that I came in when somebody said something about trifling, I was thinking, trifling, trifling, trifling. <laughs> and that's what made me call in. That's exactly what made me call in because I know you're trying to find the pointer, but that is the pointer. The pointer is we're all freaking fucking human beings. And nobody should be treated any different or any uh, such way of speciality. When a person is not learned, that means they don't know. They don't understand. How can you possibly, how can you possibly in a human sense ridicule that person? They're not at fault for what they were born into. They're not at fault for the shit that they have to walk through. Are you serious? You call yourself a fucking atheist? How is that How does that happen? How does that happen? I'm not calling myself an atheist. No, I don't believe in the God bullshit. I understand this, but I'm a humanist, and I give a shit. Right. All right, now. Oh, 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 you turned up. Somebody turned oh, up today. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh, 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 Where's my organ music? Okay. <laughs> I know, right? You know Hey, come on, seriously. I, and I understand your your zest for life and, and the living and the loving and the caring. I really do. I really get that. But I don't get is these atheists that have lived in the land of privilege and knowledge and all that is supposedly beautiful in the world of life, and they can't even fucking share it. Are you serious? Oh, excuse my French. I'm a grown ass man. I'm That's okay. We're not. I... We're not on uh, broadcast radio, so we don't have no FCC uh, rules okay. to follow. So and we're Raina, good. I really want to hug you, sister. I really want to hug you, not because of a lot of other things, but the nuances. Raina, I have followed you. I haven't said a lot, but I've I've watched and I've I've watched uh, you grow. I thank have, you. Honey, I, I just don't reach out as far as I should, and I've had issues. But that's okay because hey, you we all guys got issues going on. Oh, <laughs> you ain't know? Now nah, you know. <laughs> you ain't know, somebody ought to tell you ass. Anyway, <laughs> seriously, no, I you guys. You. I appreciate you, uh, gender equality. I really oh, do. It's great to hear your voice. I know we've communicated oh. on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have a few times, you know, but I, I try to let people have their own space and stuff. And, you know, if, when you understand people do have problems and issues, you're not too fast to ridicule people. I mean, for years they said I would never walk. And I am still mm. paraplegic, but I can walk because I was determined. And I know that when people have the right tools, this is what you and Kim bring to the table is the conversation, the contextual structure of living and living well. Right. Knowledge yeah. is power. Right. If I didn't know, I would believe the doctor saying, you're never going to walk, you're never going to walk. Fuck them. I'm the All right. He said, screw I'm going to do me. <laughs> I can't do somebody else. 
Exactly. exactly. But no, this is what empowerment means. That's what it means to empower people. You don't have to put them down or, or treat them like crap because you're standing on a better step. Are you serious? Right. That's not humanity. That's not humane. That's right. an illness. We working with we work with that. And I I watched you guys work with people that have really fucking shitted on the whole program because their egos, their assholes, their hats are too big for a freaking head. Come on, humble <laughs> yourselves for a second. People are out here hurting. They're really out here sick. They really are. It's our job. They as really teachers are. And educators. It's our job. It is our job as right. teachers and educators to choose you their asses to a better plane. If you want me to sit right. on the side, and that's why, what? and that's why I can't really, and that's why I can't really get with, you know, people who want to just bash the church all day long. Uh, Certainly, the right, church right. has been involved in a lot of foolishness. You know what I let's mean? Let's see yeah. you do better. Let's see them do. Let's see you do better. You know exactly. Well, yeah, no, yeah. agreed, agreed. It's you know, and and, and agreed, and and for me, it's like you know, I I have to think about you know some of the sources that of my humanism, and some of the people mm-hmm. that I went to church with that were out oh. in the community, they were the wow. they were like the least churchy people, but you know what mm-hmm. I mean. But they were but they were using the church to, to further their goals. You know what I mean? Because yeah, it was there exactly. and it was already had the infrastructure right. to do the things that they wanted to do. You know what I mean? Exactly. So you have to just remember that, like, you know, there are good things and good people in in the church. You know what I mean? Yeah. We can't just attack mm-hmm. them all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. No. Nope. Oh, Red was back and then I you just dropped off the game. Go ahead. Who did it? No, I said Red was back on and then he just dropped off again. He'll call back. But, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, the church, on, you know, has been, you know, like I said, the focal point of many communities of color. And, again, at the end of the day, this is what people know. They know if they are running short on food. They know which church in the neighborhood gives out food on what days, and they just go there, sign their name, and pick up a bag or two to help them make it through to the end, the end mm-hmm. of the month or to they get their next mm-hmm. paycheck. And, you know, mm-hmm. they need help with fast and light bills. But anyway, all of that, you know, we've talked about this, you know, on numerous occasions on the show. And, again, I feel that, you know, we have to step up. So, you know, this is not necessarily, you know, um, the entire atheist community, but for those of us that are humanists and that know better and want to do better and want to work in the community, there are just some things that we are going to have to do. And especially yeah. when you have those people railing against the church. And, again, you know, hypothetically, let's just say, you know, if the church did implode and go okay. away, what will happen to the people? Because they've okay. already shown that they're not going to have programs right. out here to help the community that, you know, those programs were basically funneled through the church. But now if the church goes away, what do the people have? They have nothing. And then the atheist community, you know, again, you know, some of them, they would be saying, well, oh, well, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. And that's what Raina was talking about with that bootstrap mentality. And unfortunately, you have a lot of people in this community that believe that. And they'll Mm -hmm. say, well, if you're hungry or, you know, you have all these issues, 
then that's your own fault. Even though at first they were saying it's because of religion. If you stop talking about religion and stop being religious, all of this stuff will go away. And then, you know, let's just say all of those things go away and those problems still persist. Then now it's because of your own laziness and you're not bootstrapping. And they're doing the same thing that the religious community is doing. So if someone is praying about something or giving money towards a blessing that they need or what have you, and it doesn't happen, the church has the excuse, well, you didn't have enough faith. And mm-hmm. so he's just going to be telling people, well, you know, you, you didn't try hard enough. Or, you know, um, it's just it's just, it's outrageous, absolutely outrageous, yeah. you know, unless I'm looking at yeah. this wrong, you know, but, oh. That was a mouthful, but really. I mean, I understand what you're saying. Oh, too well. I've been watching you guys and listening and, and planning stuff like everybody else is trying to put something together and put something on the map to help other people. And I think that's poignant that you can contribute your time and energy to the the real need, not the greedy, not the superficial. Yep. Well, no, thank you I'm so much it. for I'm all lucky. of that, I'm for lucky. all of that praise. I'm glad you let me in today. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No problem. But I got to get off the phone because I got to go somewhere. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm going to put you back on mute and you can listen in. So there you go. Wasn't the only gender equality there. But, um, yeah, you yeah, 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 it was nice to hear from him. And so, yeah. man, but, yeah, and Red Ninja keeps dropping off the line. You call, if you're listening, Red, call back. I'll pull you in again. But, yeah. We're going to have to hook We gonna have to uh, hook Red Ninja up with the better Wi-Fi uh, subscription service. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm saying. Uh, Red Ninja be on top of it, but yeah, you know, it's it's just the whole thing is interesting, but it's a lot of work that needs to be done. We know that. We acknowledge that. And again, you know, we're trying to, you know, present, you know, a soft place to land, you know, for those that are transitioning out and, you know, provide safe spaces or what have you as we've talked about quite a bit in the past. But it's it's a lot of work that needs to be done. But, again, for those that are not interested in social justice work or anything like that, no one is saying that it's a requirement. We're not saying that, you know, people in the atheist community are required to, you know, um, do social justice work, community, you know, activism or grassroots activism. We we never said that it was a requirement, but we also don't need your permission either. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need to understand. We're not saying that you're required. This is what we want to do. But we don't need your permission either. And that's the mm-hmm. thing. You, you know, you have some atheists out there that are saying, well, they shouldn't be focused on that. You know, they should be focused on this. But the thing, again, as I've stated before, and I still don't know what the mission is for many of these people. And the interesting thing is is that they can't even fully qualify or define the mission, but they can tell you what's mission drift and what's mission creep. And that's anything that they don't want to deal with. Mm-hmm. So No, there's just uh, creeps in the mission. 
I mean, I, I I told you, I think I think their mission, I think their mission is clear. Their mission is to attack the church by any means necessary, and 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 really try to convert as many people as they can. You know, that's really what it's right. about. I mean, you can see from from what they devote their time and energy and money to. You know, right? They would much rather they would much rather have a debate with Ken Lamb you know, about creationism than to pass out food to to needy people, you know? Right. They'd much rather have a campaign, you know, trying to, uh, you know, talking about people who've come out as atheists, you know what I mean, than to work on school-to-prison pipelining or or deal with the lack of um, minorities in STEM fields, you know? Exactly. And, again, you know, because we've talked about this on a number of occasions because it's like, okay, so you have that campaign to come out, and that's wonderful. You know, we do want more people to come out and be visible but also to be active, you know. However, as I've stated before, you know, even if people in the atheist community don't want to help the greater community, which would involve, you know, quite a few religious people, I haven't seen them reaching out to help anybody in the atheist community because there are quite a few atheists, black, white, you know, Latinos, so on and so forth, that are out here that need help. And they won't help each other. So, you know, Mm -hmm. my question is for those that have come out on, you know, some of these campaigns and made these videos, if some of those people, let's just say hypothetically, um, were put into, you know, certain positions, whereas, you know, um, they were being discriminated against because of their non-belief, but they couldn't prove it. Is the atheist community there to help them in that situation? Are they going to, you know, help provide, you know, legal counsel or even some financial, you know, some finances until that person gets back on their feet? And I'm not seeing that. I don't see that at all. No, you have to you have to pretend you tend to be a preacher and say you're going to try atheism for a year in order to get paid. Yeah. Or 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 even or even or even beyond that, you what you have to do is you have to be an atheist in a foreign country, right? Who's being persecuted, right. you know what I mean? That that's when you right. get some assistance, you know? Because yeah. those people because we have to combat those those backwards people over there, you know what I mean, and that and that's one right. of, one of the problems I have with a lot of atheist dialogue is um is when we talk about you know the non progressive you know forces in other countries, you know it, it gets hyped up and people will talk about oh but they're trying to kill us and you know what I mean they don't value life, you know what I mean, it's right. just, it gets to be it, it, and you know. They'll, uh, you know, people will talk about how that's racism, and no, it's not racism in the sense that you called them Arabs or that you called them, you know, Pakis or whatever you wanted to try to call them. You know what I mean? As a, you know, as a derogatory term, it's about it's about what what that is associated with. You know what I mean? Exactly. Or what you're attempting to link that to. We all know that the majority of Muslims you know, are brown people, are, are, you know, racial and ethnic minorities. 
You know what I mean? Exactly. In terms of power. We're talking about power, right? So when, right. You, exactly. when you go about trying to, trying to paint the entire culture, you know, religion as somehow backwards, you know, like, like Bill Maher frequently does, talking about how um, Islam is not a peaceful religion, and yet five of the, of, the last, um, of the last several Nobel Peace Prize winners have actually been Muslim. You know what I mean? Right. But you don't acknowledge right. that. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, you know, and then also, you know, we can get into a whole discussion about how, um, how ethnocentric, you know, awards like that are, but we're not going to go there today. You know what I mean? But it's, it's, it's when you put things in those terms, right. you know what I mean? You're really setting up a, a sort of an us versus them type of situation. Exactly. The West versus, exactly. you know. Yeah, but that us yeah. versus them, it's been that way for, you know, forever. But in this community, you know, it's very blatant. And when you point it out, you know, again, you get people, you know, hopscotching around the issue, saying, well, no, that's not what that means. This is what it means. And, you know, you ask three different people and you get three different answers. And, you know, and, you know, they get very offended when we talk about the Islamophobia in this community. And it's quite a few of, you know, quite a bit of it. And in addition to that, you know, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence with the racism in this community either. And mm. especially with our pointing at, you know, believers and which is primarily, you know, you know, black and brown people, you know, we have the highest percentages of, you know, people of faith. And this is why we get to looking at some of this stuff and we know that it's racist. But, you know, right. you have people who argue you down and you know, what's unfortunate is you'll have a lot of blacks that support that or will be the first one out the gate to say, you know, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's amazing. Absolutely well, amazing. I was going to say, and, um, you know, and, and to carry the race, and, and then the racism against the black church oftentimes is, again, it manifests itself in those discussions around things like, you know, non-progressive things, like, you know, being anti-equal marriage. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. you know, they try to put that on the black church somehow. Or, or you know, or or even sometimes it, it goes even to, like, just the stupid and the silly. You know, when people right. ask questions in this community about, you know, why black people like to dance and sing. Like, have you been to Broadway? Because most of those right. people are not black. You know what I mean? Exactly. So it's not. You know, it's dancing and singing is a human thing. The fact that you can even fix your mouth, you know what I mean, to ask the question about why do black people like to church, go to church, is it because they like to dance and sing? Like, that just, right. to me, exactly. demonstrates your level of ignorance. Exactly. Yeah. And then the thing is that, you know, my question is, why are they even comfortable enough to even ask questions like that? But, you know, that opens up a whole different can of worms there. Um, you know, and so one thing that I will, you know, give some applause to are the people that came to the conference and we did not have to deal with questions such as that from, you know, uh, the white people that attended the conference. They respected us enough not to ask us about what we're going to do about black-on-black crime or why we like to sing and dance or anything like that. 
But, um, you know, one of the things that we didn't get to that we're definitely going to put on a webcast, probably in February, but, you know, I wanted um, Meredith and AJ and Debbie and myself to kind of get into a little bit more about why, you know, the home that the black community is not any more homophobic than any other community. There's homophobia in all communities, but I wanted to get more in depth on that, so we're going to do a show on that. Red Ninja is with us now. Hey, Red, we see you. How are you? Very good. How are you? Hey, good. Good. You want to add something to this conversation today? Um. Well, yeah, I did. First, um, sorry about the <laughs> drop calls because my phone <laughs> hates me today, so I apologize. No, but um, it sounds like we were going over, you know, homophobia within the black community as well as um, apathy within the ASCS community towards um, the black community in general. Am I correct? Exactly. Yeah. So um, I wanted to address um, – apathy within the ATS community first and see what we can do to get off the ground there. Um, like I've said before, um, the the entire idea behind, you know, apathy within the ATS community, um, it, it really comes down to really just a lack of understanding of people's circumstances and a lack of empathy for people's circumstances. Um, it's very easy to mock those that are poor when you don't know how they get there. It's very easy to mock those who are disenfranchised when you know when you don't know how they start off that way frequently within the community, and it's like a lot of people have said earlier, and I'll, I've said this as well. If the atheist community does not do something, then what's going to happen is that we're going to lose people to the black church, right? right. And if we lose people to the black church, what the atheist community is going to do is they're going to turn around and they're going to say, well, why are they in church? They know church is ridiculous. They know the gospel is ridiculous. They know that the Bible is bullshit. They know that God is a figment of the imagination. So what are they doing there? Well, problem is, is that the church is willing to give them the resources that the atheist community isn't. And as long as it's done, you can't really complain about the fact that they're going to the church in the first place and very frequently converting to Christianity as a result. So if they really want to stop this tide, what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to stop telling people that they can't go to the church because the church in many communities, if we're going to be frank about it, is all that most black communities have. It sucks exactly. because you know it sucks because there are a lot of toxic things that go on within the church that kind of come out of the negative benefit in the long run. But if they're serving immediate needs, I can't exactly be angry at them. In many in, in many places, I'm going to actually work with them because I don't have to be a believer to do good things in my community. And if it exactly. means working with the church if it means actually disagreeing with them while actually coming together as somebody who grew up poor under a single mother and who understands what it's like not to go day by day eating, then that's what I'm going to do. So there you go. There you go. And, you know, this is something that we've talked about, you know, before about how, Again, you know, there are people, there are non-believers that still attend church, 
and they do because of the benefits that come from the church. You know, they may get a discount on daycare. They may get a discount on, you know, school tuition or the church is helping them in one respect or the other. And, you know, I just sit back and I just look at the whole situation and we need to come together and talk about some issues. But, again, like I said, with, you know, some of the people in this community, they're afraid to have that conversation. And there are some that, you know, again, that believe in that bootstrapping and they feel like they don't owe the community anything and that it's not their responsibility, you know, and maybe responsibility is the wrong word, but for lack of better words, it's the one that I will use. Um, you know, that it's not their responsibility to go back into the community and help anyone because some of these same people think that they did everything on their own, that they right. earned everything that they have on their own. And that's not necessarily the truth, but, again, um, it's just it's, it's amazing how I was going to say this. one thing, Kim. Sorry. Uh, um, I was ahead. just going to say that – I was just going to say that – um. As far as that whole, you know, like we talk a lot about religion or whatever, but maybe we need to talk about the, sec- the sort of secular religions that we have out here, because I think that there is a particular religion that we don't like to talk about. And I think that's that centers around the, you know, the myth of American exceptionalism. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And just this exactly. notion that we're, that we're self, you know, of this self-made man. And all of this, right. I think that that is a religion, all all of its own, you know. Right. And um, you also have to talk about um, like a lot of the communist principles that some atheists are actually, in a sense, embracing, which I think is ironic, <laughs> because communism is a belief system that atheists sometimes have no problems actually embracing despite their negative kind of connotations. And, you know, like if we're, if we're defining religion as a set of beliefs, um, as a set of, as a set of beliefs that don't have a rational basis in reality, um, there are systems out there that kind of sort of qualifies that without necessarily having to be based in theism. Um, exactly. so, you know, communism being one of them, libertarianism being another one of them. Um, because these there are a lot of political concepts and, and even sexual concepts that have no basis in reality, um, and we have to actually challenge those myths too. Um, because in, you said at the end of the day, concepts? at the end of the like, day, what sexual concepts are you talking about? I just want to make sure that I'm on the same page. Sorry. Well, put it this way: um, when it comes to sexuality, most people don't think sexuality can be graded on a curve. Right, so mm-hmm. there's this concept of oh, so you know you mean, there's no so you mean the so you mean like basically the whole um you know the the you know the uh what's the thing you know just the heterosexual homosexual dichotomy like you're saying like that is a myth am I getting you right precisely right okay right. okay so exactly. we're on the same page okay I got yeah. you that's exactly what I'm saying right so I would say. So I would say, you know, the denial, the denial of sexual fluidity, right? Ah, um, gotcha. Is a major, right? Is a major problem. Um, you know, gotcha. the transgender community is still 
I'm surprisingly um, not widely embraced by the black community in the mainstream or by the atheist community. Um, And it's just this, you have people who subscribe to very strict gender roles and binary roles. And um, we have to challenge that too. Right. Right. And at the end of the day, being an atheist does not make you smarter or more intelligent than the next person. You can still be an atheist and a dumbass and sometimes a believer who is extremely intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's not pretend like atheism makes you better. It doesn't. Only your actions do. Yep. Not by a long shot. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's ninja why coming through with the knowledge. Yay. Yay. <laughs> You know, but the thing is that, you know, these are issues that we've talked about before, even in the past. And, you know, um, you know, it's, it's just it's absolutely amazing because you see that superiority complex over here, those that think that because now that they're non-believers, they're smarter than everybody else. And, you know, pointing the finger to believing communities as being stupid and, it's just it's, it's it's really interesting, you know, when you look at it all. And you know, you're absolutely correct when you're talking about you know sexuality being fluid. And you know, we need to talk about these gender binaries too. You know, these are conversations right. that people don't want to have, and you see that in this community. And you know, it. I I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, as long as you're saying. You know, you know, bad, bad religion and smacking, you know, the religious community on their hands, you know, like you're scolding a child, if you will, then they're happy about that. But when you talk about real issues, they they get all bent out of shape. And that's something that I don't understand about this community just in general, because I would think that this community, as much as it prides itself on being progressive and and you won't even say liberal because, you know, that's a lie now because many of them are claiming to be whatever, anything but liberal, but progressive and, and forward-thinking. You would think that these would be some of the issues that they would be interested in learning about and talking about and, and acting upon, but it right. seems to be the opposite. You know, there is a real immaturity in this community, and no one is talking about it. If, it, if it's not, if the message is not coming from um, cisgendered uh, white male, white male, they don't want to hear about it, and they don't accept it. It's not valid unless it's from, unless it's coming from a white male, you know. In a lot of cases. Yep. Well, yeah, and it and it shows, and I mean it. It's the um, I would say the lack of forward thinking shows, and how you know even most black atheists are treated within the white atheist community, you know, and it shows, it, it really shows the lack of forward thinking, you know, when, and it's funny to me, like back then, like when I went to church, I always hated the idea of paying tithes and paying like thousands of dollars, you know, to go to these conferences and to go to these, you know, apologetic seminars and whatnot and to go to, you know, because I used to be a part of Campus Crusade for Christ when I was in college, too. Oh, and having no. To pay, yes, I was. Yes. Um, you know, I went, you know, I went to the conferences and, you know, the apologetic seminars and things like that because I was serious about it. You know what I mean? It was my life. I was raised that. I mean, I was raised in it. Um, right. But 
you know, as much as atheists want to deny, or as much as atheists want to decry the church for asking for tithes and offering, which I agree, you know, the idea of paying 10% every week is just outrageous, you know, because if you believe in a God, it doesn't need your fucking money. But um, right. I am just as mystified at anybody who is going to spend $2,000 to go to, like, an American atheist conference. Exactly. You know, right? Like, right. you got to pay this tithe and this offering to these leaders <laughs> to, to do it's what? The same exactly. Thank you, Red. Thank you. Because you, you said on the same page. I've said the same. It's like, you know, instead of giving your money to the church, now you're giving it to this community, you know, the, the overpriced conferences. And, you know, even with some of the speakers that they have, you know, coming out, you know, there is some blatant disrespect there, you know. And right. it's like, you know, you have, you know, certain white male, you know, celebrity speakers that they give $50,000 to. That just goes in his pocket. But they pay for him and his entourage to to fly there. They pay for him and his entourage to have the nicest suites at the hotel. They pay for all of their meals. So, you know, they get that per diem, you know, uh, the end. And he still gets that money in his pocket. And some of the minorities that they have coming to the conference, you got to figure out how you're going to get there. You know, they'll pay your registration fees, and they may even, you know, give you a room, you know, to sleep in. But, you know, maybe. they give you 50 or 100 Yeah, maybe. And and then they'll <laughs> give you 50 or $100, if that, or they'll let you table for free. And to me, that's just blatant disrespect. But the thing is, is that with some of the minorities, they're happy with that arrangement, which is right. unfortunate. Right. And, like, mm-hmm. paying $150, $200 to speak, you know, to be invited to this table over here to speak with, like, your favorite atheist author and all this other shit, it's almost like me being told to plant a good seed in church, you know, exactly. a love offering. Like, are you exactly. fucking serious? Yep. No. Yep, yep. No. You're right. You're right. Like, and I'm glad that, that's pointing it out. Only, and that's why I will, like, if I go to, like, any kind of conference, like, I'm not going to pay for being admitted to an atheist conference. If anything, you know, what atheists should be doing is they should be having get-togethers and freely offering, you know, to get together as a group and have events within communities and have events. I mean, and even if you're going to have, like, an atheist conference over here, why the hell, again, like, why are you charging? Like, why are you charging people to come out and speak on free thought issues? If they're willing to pay for their own way, if they're willing to actually do the things like me, like pay for their own hotel fare and actually pay for their own transportation and speak because they actually want to speak, because they want to be out, because they want to actually communicate atheism properly, it's like that should be enough. We should not be the guys asking for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. Just right. Okay, and see, this, and, and, this one person and, to speak or this other person to speak. If you're going to spend that kind of money and you're going to put $2,000 to go down to this conference, maybe you should focus a little bit more on taking that money and putting it towards your own family, putting it towards your friends. Exactly. And especially like if you're a black atheist who's living in a poor community, give that to some of these homeless shelters. Take that money and actually mm. give them to your local library. Take that resource and give them to your local – give them to the people that who need it. Daniel Dennett, Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, they don't need your fucking money. They don't need that money. 
Exactly, exactly. And see, and that was the reason why with our moving social justice conference, the registration was only $40, and then I gave a 50%, you know, um, discount code. And then we told people, even if they didn't have the money, just show up. We didn't care. We just wanted them to be there. You know, you can get here. You you can enjoy yourself. Come on, you know we had muffins. Right. So, but you just you know, <laughs> and they were good muffins too. They were really good. No, I, I was gonna say, and it it's like at least if you're gonna go to you should have come to that. It would have been nice to have met you. I wish <laughs> yeah, I could great. Too. You'll have to come but, out to Houston next year. Which where? Well, when is it taking place? Uh, same time. The middle of just October. Okay. Yeah. Well, we just. It's going to be in the middle of October in Houston, Texas. Start saving your coins. And because we're Facebook friends and all of that, I'll make sure we put you on the panel and let you loose. So there you go. (laughs) And for those that are interested, you know, let me go ahead and put that out there. For those that are interested in attending the conference next year, you can send us an email, blackskeptics at gmail.com or either people of color beyond faith at gmail dot com. Again, blackskeptics at gmail dot com or people of color beyond faith at gmail dot com. You can send us an email if you're interested in participating next year, if you're interested in volunteering next year, some ideas about panels that you think would be interesting. You can even send us an email um as to who you would like to see present next year. I can't make any promises, but, you know, we're willing to give it consideration. Um, you know, tell us, you know, because, again, you got to remember, like we were just talking about, you know, dollars and cents. You know, um, some people, you know, they may not be able to come for financial reasons, and we only have so much money, which is why we're, we ask people to donate. And you can donate to either one of those email addresses via PayPal as well, and we are a 501c3 organization so it is tax deductible, but all of these things play a part in what we're trying to do. And even if we don't have a panel on that, we can maybe do a webcast on it. So, you know, we're just asking for some input um, for those that may be interested in attending, you know, whether it be as a panelist or a speaker, you know, reach out. You know, we'll look at it. we take everything under consideration. Um, And so, you know, Please, you know, we just want you all to know that we just want you to come. We just want you to attend. We want you to learn. We want you to feel comfortable. We want you to find solidarity with other people of color in this community because it felt like one big giant family reunion this past weekend. It was beautiful. That's good to hear. Awesome. Yeah, it's All right, well, we're down to our last 60 seconds. So I want to thank Red Ninja. I want to thank Gender Equality, Jen Taylor, Raina Rhodes for calling in, even our anonymous caller there who I thought was Judy officially. Um, You know, we thank him for calling and asking those questions. And, again, we'd just like to redirect you all to the archives. You can see the archives on Blog Talk Radio, on Stitcher, on iTunes, Podbean. Hey Kim, before we go, uh-huh. I got, I got, I just have to. Before we go, I just want to, I just want to hit the, um, the, you know, the listeners to something that's going on on Twitter right now. So if you guys don't want to, if you guys want to believe in this post-racial fairy tale that we're over race, get on Twitter 
and look up Pumpkin Fest. Oh, um, because, oh I've been watching yeah. it all day. Yeah. Yeah. Googling now. Just wanted to say. So um, there apparently was a Pumpkin Festival, and um, apparently the crowd got quote-unquote rowdy. And that's how CNN termed it. But um, there's clearly things burning and people smashing things. But I guess when it, I guess that's the difference in terms of, you know, in terms of race, how things get played out, right? When it's a white crowd destroying things, they're just drunk, you know, um, you know, just drunk revelers, right? When, you know, people of color do things, we're violent, we're, you know, out of control, you know what I mean? We're on a rampage, you know? Right. So just thought I would throw that out there. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, um, <laughs> you got some of the conservatives out here calling this white liberal college thug pumpkin fest mm-hmm. disgraceful. And, I mean, but it's true. You know, um, they're called rowdy and we're called thug. Right. Funny how well, that works. It's right, and it's just that it's that same thing throughout. And like I said before, um, I can't wait until somebody goes out and tries to psychoanalyze these guys and says, "Oh, well, they just came from a rough neighborhood, and they just came from a rough area, and you know their behavior isn't usually typical." But you know, if a group of black people want to get together to have a good time and things are out of control, it's well, you know. That's just who they are. They're just rowdy that way. They're not interested in psychoanalyzing any black person. Right. Right. They're just right. misunderstood. Whereas right. we, this is just in our They're nature. mentally ill. No. Right. I had to block one of my um, Twitter followers because of that gentleman in Michigan, the older white dude that was sitting out there with a rifle and the police sat out there for 45 minutes talking to him, and she was like, well, he's clearly mentally ill. You can't compare him to the guy in Walmart. I'm like, the guy in Walmart, I'm like, he, he, it, was a, it was a CO2. It was a BB gun. It was a pellet. They, they hadn't even they spoken to him. They didn't exactly. even give him an opportunity to put the gun down. They came in shooting. And then on top of that, I have not heard about anyone um, filing charges against a man who clearly lied and misrepresented the situation to 911. Exactly. exactly. And she was like, well, that's apples and oranges and, you know, trying to say it was a straw man argument. And she was like, so give me an example of someone that, you know, had, you know, mental health issues. I said the woman in California walking down the highway that the cop just decided he just wanted to hold COVID her all over the place. And I said clearly she had mental health issues. And this was a black woman, an older black woman. She was like, that's still apples and oranges. What was she doing? I'm like, okay, blah. Oh, it's not. Any anytime, anytime black black people or people of color are the victims of state violence, you always have people trying to figure out what it is that made that that was done that the victim deserved the that treatment that they got. <clears throat> you know what I mean? And that is racism. That's what that is. I mean, there was a, there's another incident right now. I don't know if any of you saw 
um, the movie August Osage County, but um, yeah. there was a Native American woman who died recently, and they said yeah. that um, that she had committed suicide. Misty but, Upham. Um, there's, I'm sorry? Misty Upham is her name. Yes, Misty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Misty Elkin. Yeah, she... Um, she uh, apparently, according to her family, she had a lot of mental health issues and um, that she had been mishandled by local authorities in the in the past. And that in this instance, um, basically they chased her and she lost her footing and fell. And that's, and that's how she died. So she was being chased. And so this is, this is just... This is and this is just highlights the different how how people of color who have mental health issues are often criminalized and and abused. Exactly. I mean, they they talked about a, a past incident where Missy was picked up and she was clearly mentally ill. They explained to them that she was mentally ill, and the family reports that they saw police taunting and harassing her, uh, tapping on the glass while she was in the back seat of the squad car. Right, right, right. And wow. they, you know, there are no consequences or repercussions for their behavior. They know if anything, they're going to get a paid time off vacation, you know, and, and, and they're going to be clear. They're going to have their name cleared. And then if it's to the point that, you know, they'll get promoted up and out the way to another precinct or something to that right. effect. Right, and, you know. this is, and this is really, really, really disconcerting. And, you know, just to bring up something else that happened at the conference, and you guys who weren't there, you missed it. But, you know, we're talking about how the, um, about the school-to-prison pipeline. And now we're at a point in our, and, and we're at a time in our country, right, where police duties are actually being expanded. Police and, and, and not just police duties, but correctional officers' duties. Exactly. You know, just sort of the whole correct, uh, you know, law enforcement system is being expanded in terms of the sorts of services that it's being asked to perform. And these people are not social workers. These people are not psychologists. These people, these people often aren't even criminal justice majors. You know what I mean? No, they're often sociopaths. Right, and 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 they're often and they're often sociopaths, and some of them are former are former veterans, so they're coming right. back from war, not having been properly treated with things like PTSD and and all sorts of issues. And we can go and and there's a whole thing that you can talk about in terms of the white white supremacists being in the military and also being in the police forces, but we won't get into that. You know what I mean? But right, the point is is that when you have these, these types of situations um, going on with, the, with law enforcement and you already have people of color who are criminalized and discriminated against and, you know, economically and socially disadvantaged and sometimes, and, and not even sometimes, but often and more often than, we, than a lot of us are aware of, often illiterate. And I don't mean like they cannot read at all, but just in terms of being literate of the law and their, and their rights. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. They don't have that that sort of literacy, and even when they right. do, the 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 assumption is is that the the police officers and and those in law enforcement have the have basically have carte blanche to do whatever they want. You know what I mean? Exactly. And these are the and, sorts and of situations you're going to see increasing in frequency when we don't have you know people um you know community oversight, for example. You know, exactly. but go on, Kim. 
and yeah, no, and I was gonna say, you know, in, in part of that, we've talked about on this show about how the penal system is now being used as a mental health care facility. That you right. know, quite a few of the people that are now admitted that are in you know the local precinct and you know even some of these penitentiaries, that these people clearly have mental health issues, and we can take this all the way back to Reagan when he started tearing down. Um, these transient housing, you know, and the transient right. hotels, and when they opened up the mental institutions and let the people out. So, you know, it used to be when they would leave the facilities that they would be able to find transient housing or be in one of those transient hotels and try to maintain and take care of themselves. But when those were torn down, they didn't have very many places to go. And what's happening mm-hmm. now is that they're being sent to these jails. But in addition to that, you know, funding that goes towards mental health care has been decreased and decreased and decreased. You know, I know several hospitals and um, universities, hospitals and teaching hospitals that have shut down their psychiatry, you know, departments or their psychology right. departments. And now, you know, and, and getting in to see a doctor, two, three, four months, you know, um, booking time. But in addition to that, you know, half the doctors have closed up their practices because they can't afford it anymore. So, right, you right. know, turning these people out into the streets, and they don't know how to do anything. If they do commit a crime, usually it's a petty crime, like they're trying to eat. They haven't eaten in three right. or four days. So, you know, right. they'll go and, and, and eat a banana from the grocery store, and now they're facing five, six years for just, you know, eating a banana. And then exactly. for some people, and that's people one of the problems with mandatory minimum sentencing, Right. Right. It's like exactly. and, and and the way that and the way that we and, the, and our criminal justice system in general, it doesn't take into account extenuating circumstances. Right. You know what and I mean? it's basically it's basically a lay miserable situation. It's essentially right. feudalism pretending to be capitalism. Right. right. And there are there are judges, there are judges who are against mandatory minimums because it basically takes the decision making power out of their hands. So that so that in situations where they're confronted with someone who clearly has extenuating cir- circumstances, that they're not able to to use their best judgment. It's taken that right. decision out of their hands completely. Exactly. Exactly. And unfortunately for some people you know, that, you know, are homeless and, you know, have mental health care issues, the only place where they can get, you know, meals, regular meals, you know, a a clean place to stay or relatively clean and some semblance of medical care is the jail. So that's Mm -hmm. why we have high recidivism rates. So, you know, they keep going back because that is the only outlet that they have. There are not any programs or not enough programs out here to help them. And well, just, girl, you know why that is. Oh, that's because of pri- oh, yeah. privatization of the of the <laughs> of the you know the um, yeah. prison industry, and not yeah. the privatization exactly. of the prison industry, but the privatization of schools. So even the, even though the school, the public schools in your area are, are haven't been taken over by these corporations, look and see about their lunch programs. There are some people. Exactly. There are some corporations out here providing lunches to schools. That have that have been cited for violations, sending moldy food to prisons, sending expired exactly. food to prisons. But these are the same companies that send food to your school district. So you need to keep an eye out, out for that. Right. Exactly, and I posted a link about a month ago 
of an article that I saw, and no one said anything about it because I posted it in a couple of groups too, but it was talking about how one particular school was giving one chicken nugget to the to the first graders for lunch. One chicken nugget. Wow. And the second graders, they got two chicken nuggets. Oh, wow. And it's like, yeah, that's what I said. Because when I right. first saw it, when I first read the byline, I started laughing because I thought it was the onion until I, I started know, right? reading it. <laughs> I know, you know, I know. And that's what is so scary about what's going on in the world right now. And yet people right. in the atheist community think that the, the our biggest problem is that people read the Bible and go to church. Like, right. they think that's far, the biggest issue we got going on right now. We got right, way exactly. bigger issues than that. Right, you know? exactly. And we do have... Go ahead, honey. Uh, go ahead. Oh, no, we, we do have way bigger issues than that. Um, unfortunately, and I think that, I, you know, Kim talks about this a lot, and I agree, um, some atheist leaders are actually guilty of only wanting to pay attention to the church, and I think it's because some of these leaders are actually sympathetic to some of these race, to some of these privatizing corporations, exactly. and don't oh, want to bring attention. More because, than sympathetic, more yeah. than sympathetic. No, they're they're getting they're getting paid on the board, honey. Right. Mhm. You know, right. it's, it's just absolutely amazing. But you know, I got to take it back. You know, to that story that I was telling about the one chicken nugget. It's like this: if you're if you're not feeding these children, if they're not getting the proper nutrition, they're not learning. Right, right. They are learning, you know, right. and going back. And they're only thinking about food. Exactly, right. and you they're know, not learning. You know, they're not learning. But here in the atheist community, you want them to learn that there's no God, right? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? But they can't feed their bellies. Right. How do you expect that to stick? You know, exactly. Come on now, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we and, you know, we put together a science lesson just about that alone, the effects of not right. eating. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And going back to what Red Ninja was saying about, you know, the corporatism there, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to put money down on this, that they're going to corporatize the atheist community just a matter of time, just like they did with the LGBTQ community. You're going to have corporate atheists. You're going to have them getting money in for certain things, and it's not going to be. It's not going to serve the public interest. It's going to serve private interest. They're trying to figure out a way to do it now. I just need for you all to start paying attention to what they're doing. So mark my words, it's going to happen. It's coming. Right. Right. Mhm. The yep. dollar bill. Yeah will soon be yeah. the new god of atheism. <laughs> Is the new god of atheism. Yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, they're sitting back and they don't understand why we won't get with the program. And it's like, you know, again, you know, if, if I'm going to look at this as, you know, being a selfish hedonist who only cares about myself, which I'm not, but I'm just going to look at it from this perspective. Okay, so you want me to get on program of what you're saying, knowing that every time that people of color have gotten on program with whatever mainstream, you know, um, agenda you have, that at the end of the day that you throw us under the bus that you get what you need. Why should I get on your agenda? Right. Why should I support you? Knowing damn well that's what they're going to do because you're doing it now. 
But you're right. only going to do it if you get your regular white guy status back. Mm-hmm. Right. So why? Why? I want to. I want to come back to like the children too, um, because I mean mm-hmm. it, it's so it's so important. Like one of the things I'm so passionate about is you know the education of children, and right. I would say just in the you know in the last fifty years the edu- the state of our education system within the United States and especially within both the southern region as well as like the lower Midwest region and you know lower to middle class families that right there is an issue alone that causes me to have to stand back and say that, you know, when people want to call out about, like, yeah, you were talking about American exceptionalism, um, mm-hmm. the school system just blows that hypothesis out of the water because mm-hmm. we have actual educators that are twisting the history of the United States to fit their agenda, right? Exactly. And we, ha- and we have, right. and we, and we have those who are actually compromising the state of our education system as we speak. And the lack of malnourishment for children is just one of those things. You know, the right. lack of food within the schools, the lack of after-school programs. And, you know, like with black children in particular, when you have – because, like, with me, I grew up mostly in Ohio and Detroit. And the thing is, if you want to know why – if you want to know why so many children actually drop out of school, many of these children have to take care of their single mothers. Many of these children That's have right. to actually get jobs to pay – to feed their families, and they don't have time to be worrying about, like, sadly, they don't have time to worry about mathematics, biology, sociology, history. They can't pay attention to these subjects because of the fact that what's on their mind is keeping their little brothers and sisters being fed, keeping them from being recruited out of the gangs, keeping them from being recruited by drug dealers, you know, having to feed their parents many of whom are in single-parent homes, and that can't work because they get out of jail and they can't find a job. So how do you expect them to pay attention to these things if we're not pouring into these children so that they can focus on their education? Well, not just that, but not just that, Red Ninja, but some of them are just being deliberately pushed out. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? They're 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 not being helped. No one is seeing about them. No one is asking what the needs are at home. You know what I mean? No one's asking, does this child need assistance getting to school? You know what I mean? No one is asking, does this child need does this child need a sandwich and an apple? You know what I mean? In the morning. You know what I mean? Right. right. They're not asking about these things. Right. And They're not asking if the child can even go home and study. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Some places, the child may not even have lights on at home, but she wants them to turn in papers. Right, exactly. You know what exactly. I mean? They're, they're, reacting, the, they're reacting to the actions of the of the child and not to the root cause of what's going on with the child. Right, exactly. exactly. And, and, I can pers- and I can personally speak to that because, I can right. you know, because I yeah. grew up in a home where I had a single mother who was on welfare going to church. And, I mean, man, she, I don't care. I don't care, you know, what atheists have to say. I will stick by my mom to the end, no matter how religious she is. And she fought, but man, we, I had to go home and not only study for myself, but also help out with my brothers because they needed study time and they weren't being given the resources. And one of my brothers is actually autistic. So not only do I have to actually learn for myself, but I have to learn for them as well and help them with their homework. Mom actually has to be at work putting food on the table. 
So right. I'm basically the mother. I'm basically the father in the house. And yeah, yeah. You know, trying to keep up a three to three point five GPA is extremely difficult. When you're trying to study, right. buy papers, and then go home, cook for your brothers, actually help them with studying with their homework, having to take part-time jobs to actually help your mom put food on the table, which I was more than willing to do, but it made it really super difficult. And when you add on top of that, like, I didn't have it nearly as bad as some of my classmates, you know, getting knocked up, having to actually deal with their children, you know, in high school. And the and that's another thing. The rate of teenage pregnancies is outrageous. And we're not doing nearly enough to help the to help teenage mothers either. Right. Even though the rates right. have been coming down, the rates have been yeah, coming, down been coming down overall. But they're coming. I mean, they're still too high, but it's still they're coming down. So there is hope. There is hope. But we also have to take into the consideration, like we said, you know, and not necessarily beat away at the symptoms, but go back to the cause, to the root causes of the issues. And again, you know, um, you know, as far as like the teenage pregnancy thing is concerned, number one, stop teaching abstinence. The parents can't even be abstinent. How the hell right. do you think these children right. are going to be abstinent? Um, number two, putting centers, you know, Planned Parenthood, so that they will have access to birth control, and, and basically putting down Hobby Lobby, saying that they shouldn't have to offer birth control or their own services to their employees. Everybody should have a right to use birth control. And, and 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 more importantly, you know, you have some of these pharmacists who will declare that they will not sell the morning after pill or or anything of that nature because it goes against their religion. Well, then you need to right. go and be in type of religious hospital pharmacy and not at the local, you know, A, B, and C dime store that we have in our communities, which are already food deserts to begin with. So, right. I mean, you know, there are a lot of extenuating circumstances because with some of these young people, they don't want these kids. They don't want to have babies. They want to have sex. I mean, their hormones are off the chain. They're just discovering right. their bodies and what these parts do and not quite sure. And they want to experiment with each other. And that but happens. Not to and that, Kim, you also, have to, you also have to deal with the fact that some of these women, some of these young women are abused, and not just young women, but young men too. Some of these young women are the are victims in terms of their sex, yep. in, in terms of um, sexual violence because they're they're coming from homes that that are lacking, and some of them are right. are using their bodies to make up for what they lack. You know, because exactly. there are, there are people who are willing to who are preying upon these children and offering them food and clothing and you know other forms of assistance. So we also have to deal with that. As well, you know. But, but if we if we help people, but if we I was going to say, but if we help you know parents in these communities to um, with the resources that they need, and we you know we uh, we don't you know we don't we have to get rid of programs like the welfare to work program, especially when it comes to sending mothers away you know two and three hours away from they right. li- from where they live, you know, just so that they can earn right. a check, and not a very good check is that. You know, so there, so there, we have to do things that make sense. You know what I mean, and and preserve those family structures. You know, exactly. Absolutely. You know, we talked about the grooming process on this show, right. and that's something you know that's unfortunate, and you know is happening in a lot of different communities. And that's another taboo conversation that a lot of people don't want to have. And I think we need to bring it up and actually do a show as to how some of these young folks 
hard groomed. And, you know, unfortunately in 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 some in some situations, you know, some of these children I hate to put it this way, but it's it's you know, for lack of better words, some of these children are, you know, throwaway kids. And I hate that term. I hate that term but they get no support, no love, nothing, you know, um, that they need from home, and many of them turn to the street and other people to get what they're lacking, what they desire. And that's how some of these, you know, um, pederasts, you know, pedophiles, the pedophiles, whatever you want to call them, predators, um, that's how they end up grooming some of these children and some adults. You know, it's unfortunate. And it's an issue that needs to be tackled, and, you know, and I'm tired of them. And that's how some of them also end up in, yeah, I was going to say, that's also how some of them end up being, you know, prostituted, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And all those types of things. I mean, there's, there's like, 64,000, you know, girls, black girls and women missing right now in this country, you know? And, you know, more more than likely most of those women are no longer with us. You know what I mean? But there's no right. telling what hap- what has happened to those women, and probably the vast majority of those women have been trafficked. Right. You know? So. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And the one thing, the one thing that, like, I really resent about, like, the religious right in regards to these particular circumstances in regards to the sexual abuse of black women is that this, these kinds of issues that we're discussing is a perfect perfect opening to allow for birth control because so many so many black women um, are abused and are impregnated by their fathers by their stepfathers, by their mother's boyfriends and black men are also abused very frequently and have to actually get things like PSTD counseling and all these things you know and not even just abuse just bullying is another thing that's major um because it doesn't even have to be sexual abuse. It could be emotional abuse. It could be outright physical exactly. abuse. The amount of right. actual, the assaults that go on against black men. And I am actually an assault victim. Right. You know, when I was at the age of 13, I was actually attacked and very nearly raped by a man that was my same age. Right. Oh, wow. You know? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And I to- and, yeah. You know, and... I was almost raped by somebody my same age. Wow. And, and the guy was never found. You know, in middle school, I was also attacked. The guy that did that was never found. You know, it, and the PSD counseling is shitty. It's just like, well, you know, go home to your mom. We'll talk about this. And, and, and it's kind of just warmed over. And Right. It's absolutely ridiculous, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and I don't it's, have it's it nearly that you as at least bad. Re- it's good that you reported it. You did yeah. report it. I mean, yeah. I was assaulted. I never reported it. Mm-hmm. I just went on with my life. I was assaulted and I never reported it, you know? So, I mean, it it happens. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times you don't feel like anyone's going to believe you. Right. You know? exactly. and, even if they do, and even if they do believe you, um, you are now being placed in the blame. You, you're now being blamed exactly. for what happened. Exactly, exactly, because, you know, um, in my situation, it was, you know, basically, well, why were you there? 
and what were right. you doing? And, and right. it's like, you know, you're tired of it. Um, and and it's, it's, it's insulting, it's offensive, uh, and it's damaging. It does even right. more damage in some cases than the assault itself. I mean, we've seen this in different stories, you know, over the years. And, you know, I'll give you an example now. Um, most recently, that pastor down in Alabama, the one right. who was married, children and was having several affairs with different people in the church and he finally admitted that he was stealing money from the church and in addition he has full-blown AIDS right you know and he was mm-hmm. having sex with these people you know I think he was diagnosed with HIV in early 2000 something it was like 2003 and then five years later it went to full-blown AIDS and he was still having sex with different people in the congregation, and they finally gave him the boot October 5th of this year because he confessed it, like, September 15th or something like that. And basically, you know, he did all of these things, and the only thing I could think is that somebody found out, and they were saying if he didn't tell it, they would. And he confirmed it with different news reporters that, you know, that the rumors were true. And this is only one story. You know, I know of several different right. stories, you know, of, of pastors, you know, having relations have and, you know, having, having yeah, STDs and many, many other issues. And when you talk about it and you bring it up, you know, you have some people that are ready to kill you because you better not say nothing bad about pastor. You know, and then when it comes right, out, right, exactly. You and know, you know, they're covered by the blood of Jesus. They're covered. They're covered by the blood of Jesus, and you have to forgive them seventy times seven if you want to be saved and go to heaven. Right, and, and you know what's ironic about that? About that seven times seventy. <laughs> if we're supposed to forgive each other seven times seventy, why couldn't this God forgive Eve and Adam for eating that one little piece of fruit? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, sometimes I just have too much time because, to think about because, these because uh yeah, because an entity if that entity did exist, it it's something that should definitely be hunted down and destroyed. It's just not right. God is love my ass. <laughs> oh man. I could go on all day. But you know what? Here's the but you know what the thing about the religious right is that it, it wants to talk so much about how, you know, atheists don't have morality and, you know, we are without a moral center. But how does it look when you have so many churches with so much dirt on their hands and so much blood on their hands in regards to these sexual right. abuse cases? How does that look? Like, if you know that, if you really believe in a God that's going to punish you for your sins and you know that the Lord is not going to take these things lightly. What are you doing? Why, if you really have the God of the Bible on your side and you are really being led by the Holy Spirit himself, the creator of the universe itself, and you know how he feels about these things, why would you continue doing those things? Is it because you really believe that you're going to get a free pass in the end and you really don't have a moral center at all? That's right. Right. that's the that's I'll never understand. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the reason why, you know, when I talk about certain issues, um, especially with 
you know, um, things that I've witnessed myself, and you'll see the same behavior over and over, and the excuse is only God knows what's in my heart, and God forgave me, and, and, and that, you know, when it's time for me to stop doing A, B, and C, God will make me stop. He will put it in my heart. I've asked him to help me stop doing A, B, and C. But until then, all I have to say is forgive me, Lord, and, and, and you know, it's all wiped away. And that's why, you know, when I see a lot of that religiosity, you know, um, on both sides of the equation, I just sit back and, you know, like Raina was saying, you know, earlier, it's only one way. You know, right. it's not two ways when you start looking at these issues. And it's just it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what do we know? Right. So right, you don't know, um, you don't know anything. And you know what's and I, I want to right exactly. We we can't know we can't know good or evil if we don't believe in a god. Despite the fact that it, like my my the worst argument I ever heard is the argument from justice when it comes to belief in a god. This may be getting off topic, but like the argument from justice, I can't I I can't tell you how many times I have conversations with believers where they'll ask me, well, if you don't believe in a god, well. Where's your sense of moral justice? I mean, if Christianity is true, that means that, you know, you know, Adolf Hitler, are you really telling me that Adolf Hitler isn't going to hell? Like, he doesn't deserve hell for what he's, like, that this pastor or this preacher isn't going to hell, that these evildoers are not going to meet ultimate justice? How could you say something like that? And, you know, what I, what I frequently tell them is, it sucks, but Christianity doesn't make that situation any better, because now they're going to be forgiven for their crimes, right? They get to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And six million Jews who died not believing in Jesus get to be further burned for an eternity after being burned in this life. You know, that sexual abuse victims are going to be told they have to forgive those who abuse them because that's what Jesus demands. And, you know, the sexual abuse survivor... You know, people like you and me who have to stand back and look at these kinds of situations and say, I can't really believe in a God because of the the level of atrocity that's going on in this world. I can't believe in a God. Why didn't he protect me? Did I have some secret sin in my life that actually kept me from being covered by the blood of Jesus like I was promised my whole life? And are you right. really telling me that the people that actually abused me that they're going to be forgiven and they they get to go to heaven and they get a free pass? Right. Really? What right. kind of morality is we're, that? Right. Are you fucking... Yeah, we're yeah. Just, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's absolutely amazing, you know, how there is a loophole to pretty much everything. And right. so... See, that's why it's important that we have these conversations and we talk about these things because I know we aren't the only ones that have had these concerns or raised these questions or, you know, um, have sat down and had these conversations. You know, far too many of these conversations are being had around the kitchen table, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to bring it out to the open. And, again, as I was saying earlier, they're spending millions of dollars on studies 
for some of these things, we gave them the answers to, you know, decades, centuries ago. It's like, right. here's the answer to that question, but you'd rather spend millions of dollars, you know, with your cronies to study, you know, something we've already told. And going back to what I we were saying think, earlier. I still think that, I, I still think, I don't, I, I know you said that, and I'm not, like, I'm not, you know, discounting that completely, but I think, I think that you do have, you still have to study it. Just because it's right. an answer that seems intuitive or that it's, or it's an answer that you happen to know from your own personal experience to be true right. does not mean that we don't have to study it. So sorry. <laughs> I just had to say sure. that. You know, I'm the scientist <laughs> in the group. So come on. <laughs> but you know, I'm not putting down studies in and of no, itself. No, no, I know I'm you're just, not. I know you're not. Yeah. I just had to throw that yeah. out there because, you know, I'm a scientist. So I'm like, but you kind of have to still yeah. study it. Right, right. I'm talking about the kind of money that, you know, they throw in the school. I mean, like, you know, taking it back to what we were saying about the children not getting the proper nutrition. You know, a lot of people don't realize that the school breakfast program was initiated by the Black Panthers because they were even telling them back then that these children needed to have food on their stomach before they started their school day because, you know, so saying, you know, it's like, I'm not saying that it shouldn't be studied, but what I'm saying yeah. is that in many cases, we've provided some of the answers, you know, that are out there. No, absolutely. The Black, <laughs> the Black Panthers never got credit. The Black Panthers no. never got credit for that. As a matter yeah. of fact, they've been painted as this rogue group when they brought a lot of good into the community. I mean, you know, like mm-hmm. what we have now with the community access programs, which are like local clinics and things like that. They started that. They had a triage right. program, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you, it, it's right. a lot of things. And so that's why, you know, when I say we want to go out here and correct some of the revised history, you know, I'm talking along the lines of that. But, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not saying yeah. we shouldn't study but what I'm saying is, number one, they're not giving the proper credit, and number two, you know, some of the money that they're investing in it, why don't you take it back and invest some of that money into the communities that could benefit the most from it? And I'm not saying that, you know, the colleges and universities don't deserve money, but, you know, in many cases, the information that is derived from some of these studies, you know, the public never gets that information. It's like they hoard and hide information, and then they want you to buy their books. Well, by, okay, but actually that's not completely true, but I do think that mm-hmm. we need to make it more, I think we need to make it um, more accessible, make it not, not even accessible, because it's really accessible. What we need to do is kind of publicize it, because any, any projects, any science projects or research projects that get federal mm-hmm. dollars, they have to be mm-hmm. reported publicly by law. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Well, a lot of people are not necessarily familiar with, I'm sorry? Not that people don't know where to look for it, and then in some right, cases, and that's what I'm saying. We just have to. We have to make. Yeah, but that's not necessarily. But that's what I'm saying. This we just have to teach people how to how to do that kind of research because a lot of people don't know. Like even if you tell them where to go, they don't know what to look for. You know what I mean? They, so have, to have, necess- they have to have internet too. They have to right, have. They a, have to have internet service and all those things. They have to have a public library to get internet. Right. Service. Exactly. exactly, and 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 in and in and in cities like Baltimore, you have satellite library, um, you know, places that are being closed, you know. Right. Exactly. So you have to keep those sorts of things in mind. So yeah, so it's 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 not just about it being out there. It's about do people have sort of the critical thinking skills and the computer skills and the 
access to the internet and you know what I mean and all those sorts of things to be able to be able and to the food, make and the food use of to it. give them energy to get there. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. And, and not just that, but a public transportation system that's adequate exactly. and not over overpriced. Exactly. You know, yeah. exactly. All of this is interconnected, <laughs> all hand in hand, yeah. and that's the reason why I love doing this show. You know, the podcast, yeah. and the webcast, because we can read this stuff. And break it down in ways that most people would understand. I mean, I've had people say that, you know, you know, can you break it down anymore? And I don't know how much more I can break down some of the stuff you talk about. You know, right. I mean, I'll try. You know, but I mean, you know, you know, I have to be entertained while I'm doing this as well. So I mean, I can't break it down to the point that I'm falling asleep on my damn self. You know, so. Right. <laughs> But you, but you know what, I, we may have also brought this up, but I think it's also important, too, to teach people why this information is valuable, right? Because right. the information is also out there, but we also have to show people why, you know, subjects like education, like history, like biology are important. Because too many people know about what we're actually saying, but they don't realize why it affects them. They don't realize why it's important to study this. They don't realize why it's important to actually read these things because they don't realize just how closely it affects their daily lives. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And <laughs> if you're if you're if it's important to you and if you're urgent about something and if it applies to you, it behooves you to understand it and why you right. need to understand it. Mhm. Exactly. And you know, I'm sitting back and you know, somebody touched on something about, you know, the internet access in, you know, communities, you that know, in poor communities. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that is something that is a very real issue. Maybe we need to do a show on that, um, talking about the lack of um, Internet access, lack of access to the Super Information Highway and what have you, and a lot of um, inner cities as well as rural, you know, counties and places, because that is a very, very real problem. And then in some cases when they do have access to it, it's not affordable or they can't afford the computer. And so... It's right. like there are right. people even, that are deliberately books. being kept. Pardon? There's some books that are not even available. I mean, I lived in a I lived in a town where I would look for look up certain topics and go right. go through. Well, this is showing my age. Go back to the card catalog and then go yeah. and try to find. <laughs> like, you know, when you're in college and when you're in university, um, even in that even in that kind of scenario, you know, the prices of the books themselves, when you add mm-hmm. that, right. you know, and the actual, you know, the medical books that you have to pay for. And, like, with me, I'm pursuing my, um, I'm going back to school to, you know, to pursue my computer science degree. And, you know, the cost of the books themselves, you know, books being exactly. $60, 70 80 $100, um, yeah. even if you're not poor, even if you are, like, middle class, upper class, that's a lot of books to pay for. And, you know, when you have, like, 16, 20 credit hours and you're having to mm-hmm. pay something like $600 for books, right? I mean, that's, right. that's outrageous. That, that right there is, 
going to take somebody who's poor, right, exactly, that's going to take somebody who's poor and goes, well, you know what, it's not worth the money, it's not worth my time. I but and then they part, can't find the books to the library, and they fail their class. Free education. Okay. Yeah. Hey, oh, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. You using the R word over there? Healthcare. Yeah. Reparation. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said, the R word there, and, and see, and, you know, that takes us into a whole different, you know, direction here because, you know, you have people accusing, you know, President Obama of giving reparations with the Affordable Care Act and, you know, even with, um, um, you know, some of the other, you know, changes that he's made, you know, that will try to wage minimum wage. Yeah, you know, disproportionately right. help people who have been disadvantaged, which basically are black and brown people and even some poor whites. And actually, poor whites are going to benefit more than a lot of black and brown people just because in sheer numbers there are more of them. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, and this is like it, it's like you said, it's all interconnected. You know, these issues and, you know, these initiatives um, – it's funny, too, like how you have some atheist leaders, too, that don't speak on these issues at all, right? They only right. want to talk about religion. They only want to talk about how the Bible is shitty. They only want to talk about how the church is ruining their, you know, their lives and all this other stuff. But it's like, we want to, okay, now we want to talk about, okay, we want to raise minimum wage. And now it's like silence. You got deaf ears. You can hear a pin drop. Right. You know? And it's ridiculous. There's, there's people speaking out against it. I remember right. and it's talking because, about another it's because, show, and they, people were against it. Black people were against it. <laughs> we're against what? Right, absolutely. Black atheists. Raising black atheists raise were, the minimum were wage. Yeah. What? Yeah. I, I, was on a, I was on a show a couple, a few months ago, and, you know, they were we were talking about the minimum wage, and, and there was a few people on the show who was like, oh, I earn my way. Why can't they earn their way? And certain jobs shouldn't get more than minimum wage. You know, people huh. who work in Starbucks shouldn't work, uh, shouldn't make shouldn't make more than minimum wage. Are you why kidding me? Have you yes. ever sat and watched yes. some of those baristas? Have you ever oh, watched I was that? Not, we're not joking. We're not, I was going that's in ridiculous. Those. We're not joking. Those people work hey, for oh, their yeah, money. Uh, Hey, check this out. There's an intelligent square debate on YouTube about raising the minimum wage. I highly recommend it. Your blood pressure will shoot through the roof. It's oh, hilarious. Damn. Then probably you shouldn't got- have watched it. Jen, what show was that on uh, that you were on? It was on the um, Bitten Fruit radio show. Okay. I'll um, bring up that. I'll see if I can find a link and send it to you. Cool. Yeah, so- yeah, and I'll send it to Red yeah, Ninja when you send it. Yeah, where we're talking about the, um, the talking about minimum wage. <laughs> yeah, send that to me. And Red Ninja, send me the link of the one that you're talking about, and I'll send it to them, okay? The Intelligence Square debate? Absolutely. Yeah, because, again, you know, it's just absolutely ridiculous out here. And you got some of these people out here saying, I made my way. You didn't get to where you got by yourself. People helped you. People helped. That's right. like, you know, listen, 
some of these libertarians, these Tea Partiers and conservative Republicans, namely, um, you know, well, anyway, you know, um, you listen to some ben of them Carson. and they made their way. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, didn't you have to drive down a public highway to get to work or to get to school? Exactly. Um, did, you, right. did you not receive grants and scholarships? You know, so, but you mm-hmm. did it all on your own, though. Okay. Funny how mm-hmm. that was. Hey, you, ben, hey, did you, ben Carson. Did you, Ben Carson. Yeah. I'm saying like Ben Carson. The guy yeah. is like the epitome of irony. The guy yeah. actually exactly. worked, like this this is the guy who was actually raised in a poor neighborhood and relied on his mom earning welfare and he's actually speaking up against welfare, speaking up against these minimum wage initiatives. And this right. guy is like the ultimate conservative. And I'm like, my head is going to explode. I just read your book, dude. You're putting just, down, hey, the, you're ready, putting down get your mom. Get ready for it to explode again in 2016, because they're probably going to try to run him. I'm telling you. Get ready for your head to explode again. Right. And the only reason why Herman Cain ain't going to run is because they mad at him because he had an affair with that white woman. But that's a whole description. Oh, girl. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Let that go. Oh, oh, I got jokes. I got jokes, but I'm going to be good today. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. We're going to leave that alone. <laughs> yeah, we're going to leave that alone right now. We're going to leave that alone for right now because I ain't going there. We're going to do a show specifically <laughs> talking about, because um, we never really got to it today. We kind of, you know, talked around it. But we need to do a show on that anti-lynching movement, a new anti-lynching movement, in conjunction with, you know, what's happening now with our babies and, you know, our husbands, our wives, our, you know, cousins, you know, our neighbors being hunted down in the streets, you know, um <laughs> Like they're animals. It's, it's horrible, absolutely horrible. And you know, I'm going to find that article again that compared, um, you know, um, what's been happening and used Ferguson as the premise for what happened there and what happened, you know, during the times when they were out, um, you know, um, hunting, you know, for the slaves and when they were out, you know, the runaway slaves. And how they were, you know, out as the militia, you know, um, and, you know, how it ties into the broken window, you know, policies or policing that we're dealing with and how they make up these arbitrary laws, you know, in, in an effort to keep, you know, people of color, you know, as basically slaves to the system because it's like if you're not in jail, you're paying some type of fine, and if you don't pay that, then you're going back to jail for not paying that, then they let you go. And I mean, it's just, it's absolutely endless cycle. Yes. Yeah. It, it is an endless cycle. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we, we need to address that. And, so, you know, what we do that with. Go ahead, honey. Oh, no. I, I think what's interesting, too, um, is how, in, in a lot of cases, like these exact, say, these exact situations are actually being endorsed frequently, you know, by the religious right. And I think I find it very too. This may be getting off topic, but I think I find it very interesting how a lot of this, a, a, a lot of the um, situations that are within the black communities, 
are designed to keep them, again, running back to the church. Because if you can set up millions of people to think that this world is the shittiest place to live in, that this country is the shittiest place to live in, if you give them no options, they have no choice but to come to Jesus. They have no choice but to say that I am not of this world and I'm ready to go to the next one because this one is so shitty. And it sets them up to be swooped in by religion. Religion is coming directly to school. I mean, there's there's those good news clubs that go out. They're trying to recruit children right at school and in after school and in after school uh, clubs. They're going in. They're having pizza parties and you know, hey, bring a friend, praying on hungry children and and trying to get them recruited into religion. A lot of the right. Right under, right under the noses of parents, they think, oh, it's an after-school club. They don't even know how insidious these people are. Right, and many of these parents don't have the tools to do the research. Again, internet access. They don't have the idea. They don't have the tools to actually go look up these clubs and figure out. Oh my God, my children are being recruited into a cult, and many of these other parents are sympathetic to this very same thing. They're actually mm-hmm. they don't. Not only do they not care, but if these parents actually caught, like, just to give you one example, if a Muslim parent has their child being drafted into one of these clubs and the Muslim parent calls them out, what happens? Well, this is a well, Christian that nation. Muslim parent you need to, is now a terrorist. Ex- right, exactly. And they're going to be told, this is a Christian nation. Right? Right. Get out of our country right. if you don't like it. You know, get out of our school, exactly. get out of our neighborhood if you don't like it. Or if if it's somebody like me, and I don't have kids yet, but if it's somebody like me who's going to call them out, guess what? My children are now going to be picked on by the children in these schools and being labeled antichrist. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, and what's interesting is in these schools, these groups have to have, will basically be initiated and led by a student, then it has to have a teacher sponsor, if you will. And so what a lot of these cults are doing is they're recruiting the kids from the school and encouraging them to, you know, start these clubs all over the country. And a lot of people aren't there. Yeah, how this is happening, you know, and this is what's been going on. And that's why, you know, um, even though, you know, I'm not in the club rah, 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 down with Christianity, I'm not into any of that. But sometimes I have to clap when I see, you know, some people from other, you know, um, religious groups, you know, whether it's the pagans or the Satanists or the Muslims or Ever or the you know um, saying that if you're going to have a Ten Commandments statue here, then we want to put this statue there, and then they have no choice but to allow it because the way that right, I see because it, because they're, they're challenging they religious to, privilege. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So you know that I you know absolutely agree with. Um, you know that's why I'm laughing. You know even when we start talking about flying spaghetti monster. You know, um, if you're going to teach creationism, why can't you teach about the flying spaghetti monster? I mean, so it's just it's interesting how all of this is coming to a head because you have some young people out here, quite a few young people out here that are rejecting the religious platitudes. And, again, i got to give it up to the babies down in Ferguson. They're telling these preachers to go sit down somewhere. We tried it your way, mm-hmm. and it didn't work. Now we're right. going to do it our way. 
And like mm-hmm. my son said to me, my goodness, I I never thought I would see the day. I never thought I would see the day. And they have mm-hmm. surprised me in a very, very good way, which is why I'm trying to support them in any way possible. Because it's like, babies, go get your life back. You know what I mean? That's that's mm-hmm. how I see it. And that's how I'm looking yep. at the whole situation. But we're down to the last four minutes. So I'm going to allow you all to give parting words. We'll start with Jen. Something you would like to say? Thank you for having me on the show. It's, it's, a, it's a pleasure talking with you all. It's a, talk, it's a pleasure speaking with people that are reasonable. And <laughs> I'm just looking forward to um, how this is going to develop and how the movement will become stronger as a result of some of these conversations and things that we've been having since the conference and so many people that want to get on board. So I appreciate you all. Thank you. Excellent. We appreciate you, Jen. Red Ninja? I love you all. Thank you for having me. Oh, there you go. (laughs) 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 All right. Did you want to say something, parting words, Red? Oh, no, I was was saying um, I love you all, and thank you for having me. Yeah, we love you back, and you're always welcome, you know, you know, that's why we have this show. This is for all of you all. And Raina, parting words, my dear. Um, I mean, you know, I'm just I'm just glad that, you know, we have black free thinkers, you know, it's important that we keep doing what we're doing. Um and I think that we're helping to open these open minds, but you know, we always have to remember that the real work is the work that we do on our own time. Yeah, you know? right. So, exactly. just reminding everybody. Right. You know, the real work is what we do on our own time. And, you know, like they say, uh, you know, about character. Your real character is who you are when no, when you think no one is watching. That's yeah. right. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. But, you know, I would like to thank everybody who supported us over the years. Like I said, Raina convinced me not to end the show at the end of the year, so we're going to keep moving on. And, mm-hmm. you know, Yay. pleasure, Granny. You guys, <laughs> it is oh I've, been, I've been listening for like three years. I need, I, we need more. It can't ever end. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, you know, with so much, so much, Raina teases me about all my books. And she was like, you know, um, when eventually when you move to Cali, all you're going to be sending there are books. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you know, half the time that my hands don't work, so, you know, I can't do anything but read or sleep most of the time. So, you know, that's what I, I read. I personally I have moved over mostly. I was going to say, I personally have moved over mostly to the to the digital books because, um, because I, I read papers. I read, like, journals and stuff. So right. you can't always print that stuff out because if you do, you just kill rainforests all day, you know. Exactly. Right. So, exactly. so I, yeah, have, I, I have learned to read. Hey. Huh? Oh, no, I was going to oh, say, yeah, no, Kim, just know this. Uh-huh. The, real, the, real, the real reason you shouldn't shut this show down is because there are people like me who you gave.